Good evening all and welcome to the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge uh, this wonderful Wednesday evening. So a packed show for you all to enjoy this evening. We've got uh, all being well, um, our namesake Sir Tom Broadbent, our Lord and Saviour is going to be joining us very soon. Uh, Charlie Austin will be joining us from down under uh, with his latest instalment of Chazetta Football Australia. Uh, we've got Keelan and Honor joining us from Swindon Town Women's Football Club um, following a very exciting week of announcements coming out of the women's operation at the county ground. We've uh, got reaction to um, the Rochdale hammering. We've got a preview of Stockport County. We've got the latest on Tyree Simpson rumours. We've got Harry McCurdy um, disciplinary news that's broken this week. There's been rumours abound in relation to Lewis Ward. Um, and we've also got details of the next big Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge kick around. So a packed show ahead and you lucky, lucky devils. You've got a wonderful panel with me tonight to enjoy, uh, to, to enjoy that content with me and you. So first up, and by certainly no means least, Joe, good evening, buddy. How are you? Good evening, mate. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Very well. A very, very busy week. And yeah, very, very busy show ahead, mate. So strap yourself in, Joe. As we go, go, we go for it, hell for leather. Martin, always a pleasure, never a chore. How are you, buddy? I'm all right. I'm not going to lie. It's been a long week already, so I am tucked up nicely in bed, ready for this. You're a beautiful, saucy red and white devil. <laughs> the thought of you tucked up in bed, helping me deliver this show. God, that's that's going to do nothing but warm me cockles, Martin. Nothing I'll send you some pictures, Hannahs, don't you worry. <laughs> and we've got the champ. How are we, Ellis? Evening, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Oh, hey, listen, you're part of the furniture now, buddy, after your, <laughs> after your live, live match day show debut on Saturday. How did oh, you yeah, enjoy that? that? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Looking forward to the next one. I'm looking forward to being followed by every single member of your family, Ellis, by the way. Please do send my best <laughs> to will. the Holloway family, and I thank them. We're getting them all in. I thank them for their interest in my personal Twitter account. Um, I'm sorry that there's not any sort of funny dog gags or gifts on there. <laughs> it's, it's all Swindon Town hyperbole, buddy, I'm afraid. And uh, they're, they're, they're also strapped in for the ride. So, uh, so as I say, we're, we're hopeful uh, that we're going to be joined shortly by um, Sir Tom himself. Um, subject to um, uh, some official South Shields Football Club duties up there. Um, while we're waiting for um, Tom to join us, I think um, probably a, uh, a sensible thing for us to do to, because uh, we're going to be joined by Charlie Austin at half past nine tonight. Um, but in the meantime, I think we'd, um, we'll jump straight into a, a little bit of a um, roundup from Saturday because there's been some fallout from Saturday's 3-0 drubbing of Rochdale. Mostly positive, I'm delighted to say, but there's been some negative on there as well. I think we said on Saturday that it was one of those results where we're kind of, in many ways, damned if we do, damned if we don't, after an indifferent start is probably the, be the best way to put it. Um Ellis, you were there with me on Saturday, so I don't necessarily want to just regurgitate our content from our match day show. But um, no doubt you've seen some of the some of the fallout that I'm talking about, both on the socials um, and in the press. Um, so, um, what do you, what do you make of it all, buddy? Is there uh, uh, is it one of those? I mean, I've been I've heard Saturday being described as a bit of a free hit, but all the pressure is on Stockport. So, um, how how does that resonate with you, Chief? Well. Um... 
it was all we spoke about this on Saturday, obviously on Twitter, all of the response was gonna be, Oh well it's only Rochdale. But I think the way that we played um as a whole is how we need to play every game. So um yeah, I thought we played very well Saturday. Um a few a, a few faults you could probably pick out. Um like Ronan Darcy playing right back, he he did a great job, but a few posi- uh, positional errors that he started with. But yeah, like I said, overall, I think it was a great game. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's a fair assumption, Ellis. I mean, Martin, just to build on what Ellis is saying there, I'll, I'll get your view on this. I um, <clears throat> I mean, from um, from what <clears throat> from one to eleven for Swindon Town on Saturday. My uh, my take on it was it was a pretty mighty performance from the Reds. Um, we got a we got the goal early doors. We didn't necessarily kind of set the place on fire for the remainder of the first half. When I think both teams were kind of evenly matched and certainly probably matching each other in the fitness stakes. But then I I noticed obviously we've come out in the second half and um, we scored quickly again, which pretty much ended for me almost ended the game as a competition. I didn't think Rochdale sort of gave us anything to really worry about. And then towards, obviously, the end of the game, we've got we've got our third goal. Um, and essentially, in every department, I just thought we overpowered them. And I thought there wasn't a single player out in that starting lineup that that kind of really put a foot wrong. Um, Martin Ellis has mentioned Ronan Darcy. So I guess two questions. First, you agree with my first point, but but also on the second, second one, I thought Ronan Darcy's performance going forward was so good that it kind of, I'm not really not fussed about the oppositional um, error, um, which is only going to be corrected with experience and time in that position. What, what's your take on it all? So the first question, yeah, I do completely agree. Just the fact of how different the performance was from Orient, the and the, not that I've got to see the games previously, um, as you know, but it was just completely the opposite. I know the opposition was nowhere near as good as Orient are but you can only be what's in front of you and we talked on that Tuesday night about how we didn't seem to be playing through the thirds like we had been the season before and how the talk was pre-season but just for us to have that ball on the floor and pass it around like we did the movement it looked so much slicker you could see there has been progress and if we can build on that I think it can only lead to positives Um, and then Ronan Darcy for us to play out the back and have someone like that who's so comfortable on the ball, um, his range of passing, his movement, the attacking positions he was getting into. I was so impressed with him. And you're right, he he was out of position a few times defensively when we are out of possession, but that's his first game at right back. So I think it can be forgiven. And we're on the training pitch. He's young. He's got time to develop and learn. I don't know if he enjoyed playing there or not, but he's only going to improve. And I think if we're a possession-based team, we kind of want someone like that on the pitch to help us in the attacking. Yeah, and I think, let's be honest, Ronan Darcy's not moaned about it once this week. I mean, yeah, he's mentioned about that was all new to him. So that's obviously interesting. Um, it's clearly not something that, you know, he's got in his in his kind of career locker. Joe, bring, bringing you in at this point for the just sort of like the final say on, on Rochdale, if you will. Um, all I was going to... I mean, one of the things that sort of um, I've heard being mentioned this week was that um, at times Rochdale cut us open. Um, 
I, I mean, I, I think they had their chances. Do you think, am I underplaying it in dismissing any notion that they, quote, cut us open um, and or, or made us look in any way, shape or form or, or embarrassed us? I mean, from what I could see, it was two teams going at it. The gaffer had talked about the fact that, you know, actually Rochdale have got... Um, I mean, last year, Rochdale, I think they were second only to Swindon Town in the possession stakes. So they've got some technically sort of sound players. Um, they were lacking cutting edge at the top and back end of the pitch. Um, and that's obviously what's cost them last year. I think this year um, they created chances. I mean, I think, you know, certainly at the county ground last year, they didn't look like a really, really bad side. But a lot was made of the fact that they had a couple of chances, Joe. What did you... Well, what was your take on it? Were you expecting a, a complete shutout and, and Sol to do even less than what he actually ended up doing on Saturday? What did you think? Um, I mean, if, if I'm going to be completely honest from, from the off, uh, my girlfriend, in all her wisdom, booked a show in the West End for half past two on Saturday. So, I mean, I was getting tutted at by people surrounding us, but I was checking Bet365 for the score every five seconds. Um, so I've only seen the game, obviously, through a statistical point of view. Um, I've seen the goals, I've seen a bit of the highlights and there was a couple of sort of first half chances I think earlier on in the uh, in the match which could have been down to as you say Ronan Darcy or players getting used to certain positions that they'd not been accustomed to um, at the end of the day we, we hadn't won a game before this weekend so yeah, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to say really isn't it but on paper yeah we should be beating Rochdale but they hadn't won a game we hadn't won a game you know, it's sort of a blank, blank canvas, really. I think you know we've we've won we've won this game now, so maybe we can have more of a expectation moving forward. Uh, hopefully, the wheels are sort of in motion now, but it's so early on in the season as well. They've they've lost all their games, but they could you know they could be mid table, they could go for the playoffs. Yeah. Well, listen. I mean, from my point of view, I think my my closing gambit, I think on Saturday was. Um, it was, you know, it was exciting to um, see Jakey Wakes continue his um, his recent um, um, sort of emergence, if you will. Um, what player? But, uh, yeah, exactly that. I mean, he's, you know, like the Duracell bunny was the term that got used this, this week. He runs and runs and runs and runs. Um, he literally thrives off of a defender's poor first touch. Um, thrives on any half half chance. And obviously, that's how the goals come about on Saturday before any of us had even had a chance to take our first sip of Bovril, proverbial or otherwise. So I think um, that was exciting. But then, obviously, we had um, Saidu Khan was amongst the um, was amongst the assists again. Um, we've already mentioned Ronan Darcy. I thought Angus McDonald probably had one of his more capable games as, as he continues to um, get himself back to full fitness and impose himself again on this division and on this team. Um, and uh, yeah, Tom Clayton, I thought, was absolutely outstanding. I, I think as you work through that side and you start to look at our, our, our signings this season, um, for me, what's really encouraging, and again, I'm not going to get overexcited because, yes, I, I understand it was Rochdale, but it wasn't just about Jakey Wakes. So 3-0, we'll we'll uh, we'll no doubt have a little tuck back into that um uh, later just to give sort of Stockport a little bit more context. But um of course tonight the start of our show is all about the man, the legend, our Lord and Saviour, Sir Tom Broadbent himself. Tom, good evening, buddy. How are you? Evening, mate. I'm all good. How are you? Oh, listen, to, it's always good to hear your dulcet tones, Tom. It's always good to hear your pal. How are you? How's life in the north? I'm loving it, mate. Loving it. It's just nice to be home, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, obviously, disappointing for me, 
done all the pre-season and then the, the Friday before the first game, I got a little niggle in my, in my quad. So, I ain't even played in the league yet. So, I missed the first four games, but I'm hoping to be back for Saturday. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. I mean, obviously, so there's, there's been some people have been asking, Tom, because you've, it, without meaning to do any kind of disrespect to your new club at all, and I will come on to this to explain why I'm saying this and not causing them any disrespect. But when, you, when you've popped up at South Shields, so many question marks were posed as to why, I think just on the surface of things, South Shields isn't a team that just immediately pops in your head as one of the movers and shakers in non-league. And, yeah. you know, you, you're obviously held to such a, such a hot, such a high degree, both in terms of what you did for us at o- o- Oxford, but also because people just know you're very, very capable operator at our level as well. So to see you crop up at South Shields, there's obviously a, a much bigger story, Tom. So we kind of wanted to get in that a little bit tonight. But obviously South Shields, Northern Prem, seventh tier, effectively. Mm. How did the move come about, Tom? Um, so obviously I'd, I had offers higher up, um, but a lot of them were like, I sort of made a decision quite early on that I just wanted to get up, get up here and and sort of settle. Do you know what I mean? At, at my age, obviously not 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 I'm not old. Do you know what I mean? But I just wanted to sort of get home, get settled, not be living too far away from home. And obviously, it's limited limited options up here. But yeah. obviously, I had offers offers a couple of hours away from home. And obviously, when I was at Eastleigh, I was living sort of five and a half hours away. Mm. And I just thought I can't be dealing with living in like a clubhouse and things like that anymore. And obviously, the the offers that I was getting weren't weren't a lot better than than what what Shields were offering me anyway. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I had to put the level aside, but the project that that is there, like the ambition of the club, everything, like it, it's a full time team still anyway. The only full time team in that division. Yep. You know, the managers, Kevin Phillips, everything's in place. They've got their own training ground. The whole project and, and what, the, what they're doing there, it, you know, it's it's exciting to be part of as well. Um, yeah, and a very, so, very wealthy owner, Tom, you've got there as well, Jeff Thompson. Yeah. And I don't just want to talk about his wealth, but I mean, a very, very, very successful businessman in his own right. You know, yeah. arguably, I mean, I've not, you know, I'm, I haven't literally done sort of... Um, you know the um, the full surgery on his on his financials, but certainly it looks like the companies are turning over the same kind of revenues that our own Clem Morphoon is turning over to give people an idea of scale. Um, yeah. And he's he's part of the fixtures and fittings in the area as well, isn't he? Very well regarded man, Jeff Thompson. Yeah, he is. He's a really good guy as well. So um, you know he's obviously heavily involved with everything that goes on at the club anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just it was kind of like. I wanted to get my life sorted off the pitch as well, and it gives me a chance to get home quicker, get settled. You know, I'm doing I'm doing a financial advisor course at the moment as well. I do a bit of other work on the side, so it's just you know I sort of just got fed up of of you know living away from home and putting putting my life on hold for you know for potentially maybe a couple of extra hundred quid a week or something like that and I just didn't see the point I just I just wanted to be settled and home you know I've signed a three-year deal so I'm just I'm just happy and I'm, I'm excited to you know get get playing and hopefully get some promotions with them as well yeah so what's Sorry, you mean yeah. you've mentioned you've mentioned so Tom you've mentioned your gaffer and just to, so in case anyone missed it, we are talking about the Kevin Phillips, aren't we? Fans, supporters of a certain age will remember Kevin Phillips getting England caps 
and yeah. literally being uh, sort of goal hungry at Sunderland in particular. What's what's Kevin Phillips like as a gaffer and as a as a, as a man? How, how have you found him yeah, so far? Appreciate he's, he's your gaffer. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's really good, honestly. Like, and he still he joins in a little bit in training. He's still. You know, I reckon he could still put his boots on and play, especially at the level we're at as well at the minute. So, yeah, yeah, he's he's decent. Um, I can't can't complain. You know, obviously some previous gaffers I've had. So, yeah, <laughs> and 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 a legend in those parts as well. So, I mean, clearly, um, you know, having yeah, I mean, obviously iconic status at Sunderland. So, not yeah. a million miles away from South Shields. So he's, you know, I guess. Um, if you if you're talking sort of a an equivalent down at Swindon, it would literally be like you know Charlie Austin getting the Supermarine job, wouldn't it, or something yeah. along those lines? Um, yeah, hell of it. hell of an appointment. Is he? Um, I mean, in terms of his sort of technical staff or support staff, Tom, are there any other sort of names that we might recognise, or has he has he brought people with him from some of his old clubs, or is he is he literally kind of started from scratch? No, he's, I think what what's up, he's he's kept the people that were that were there anyway, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're both very good coaches as well, so it it works really well. Um, so it's kind of like a, a real sort of family club. So they've kept the people involved. Yeah, um, yeah, and it it works. So you know, hopefully we can have a successful season. You know, the squad that he's put together as well, um, definitely, you know, too good, too good for that league. So. Um, but the the thing is, every team that that we play against, it's like their cup final. So, yeah, um, you know, everyone from the outside looking in will be like they're the only full time team in the league. Like good stadium, good pitch. They're probably thinking we want to fucking beat them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Well, Tom, Tom, you'll know. I mean, you know, you know, it's not overselling it or hyperbole on my part. I think that's one of the things that's been very difficult for Swindon. Not maybe less so in League One, but certainly in League Two. Um, you know, it's not often that you know League Two clubs get to enjoy facilities quite like they get at the county ground. So, he's, I guess a similar sort of kettle of fish. Really, you must be used to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, no, it's like obviously, especially the the only thing that I, I didn't sort of take into account was signing. The, the standard of some of the pitches that you end up playing on, but our home ground's lovely, do you know what I mean? So we can play some decent stuff on it, but some of the pitches that we'll end up going to, especially in the winter, it's going to be a little bit sort of all in the air and stuff like that, so it's going to be a bit of a nightmare. But um, no, it's it's good. Like I can't complain. I'm enjoying it. So And like I say, I'm, I'm sort of 15, 20 minutes from the house as well, so it's perfect for me. So we, if I was to ask you, Tom, like in terms of a playing standard on every any given Saturday, how big a gap would you feel that it is at Shields versus, say, League Two? Um, what like if if Shields were going to play a League Two team, or so if, yeah, yeah. So if we took if you guys like literally sort of you know we got you down to the county ground, level playing field, if you will, sort of the current sort of squad would is there a vast sort of gap given the sort of, I mean because you're not I was I was away. quite surprised at the standards to be honest when I signed there. Um, obviously, I was expecting it to be you know not as good, but like I say, the, the players it's brought in. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Martin Smith as well? He's he's remember, at South Shields. Yep. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've got Michael Woods, uh, Gary Liddle, all all players that have played in the league. So, you know, Good we're players. We're you know we're a, we're a decent side. I, I like to think we'd, we'd you know give a good account for ourselves at least. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you've been wearing the armband as well, Tom. Appreciate it, as you say you've been injured, but we know, we've all keen. Look, we we're all retweeting pictures of you wearing the armband <laughs> in your new kit. Yeah, that that was just in in pre season. Obviously, the the skipper wasn't 
wasn't playing at the time, but yeah, it's always nice to nice to wear it anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Well, it won't be the last time, mate. We're going to be I've campaigning it. for I've it. Stretched it out a little bit for him. It's a bit baggy on him. <laughs> You've been on those gains, mate, haven't you? You've been on those gains <laughs> in the gym while you can't get out on the pitch. So, listen, as, as you well know, Tom, we've been uh, we've been campaigning to try and see whether we can get up to um, uh, get up to see you guys on mass. And um, plans are going to be afoot. So we're going to be working closely with you on a date, which clearly dovetails with um, a, a, well, as you'll appreciate, we've been knocked out of the League Cup, which uh, gives us an opportunity. It's just a a bit of a trot for a midweeker. I think what will probably happen, we'll see how the FA Cup goes. Um, Obviously, we're likely to get to at least the semi-final this year, Tom, so you might have to be patient. But (laughs) um, a a blank FA Cup weekend or um, something along those lines, I think, is going to do us a treat. But, mate, I, I promise you, the sentiment is um, the sentiment is sincere. We're going to get up to see you. Yeah, mate, I'd love that. It'd be wicked. Can I have a couple of beers and that after because I can do that now. So, a, I mean? a couple, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a couple, Tom. No, 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 no. Now, now you're amongst the ranks of um, of the you know of the uh, of of the non-league pyramid, mate. It'd be more than a couple. I assure oh, you yeah. that. <laughs> Can have a couple before the game, three match, couple of beers. That's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, exactly that. Well, listen, Tom. What an absolute treat having you on, buddy. Thanks ever so much for uh, coming coming on and giving us the update. You'll be pleased to know that we have resisted Frenchie's um, uh, overtures. Hey, there's a otherwise. few of them, isn't there? Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all at it, mate. Yeah, they're all at it. Lewis Ward thinks that we should be renaming the show. Charlie says that we should be renaming the show. And, uh, and Frenchie's uh, applying significant pressure. So I say, as you were well aware, at the end of last season, Frenchie basically said, look, I'll tell you what, I'll give Swindon Town another year if you rename the Sir Tom Broadbent <laughs> Lounge. And he's no, done he that. didn't say that. He's, I promise you he did, as God is my witness. I promise you he did. And in fact, I've got witnesses on this show, Tom Broadbent. He gave you a threatening He signed another year anyway. <laughs> He's he another did. Year anyway, he? Yeah, he signed on for another year, so hence he's applying the pressure. He's, yeah. And he said it. He said it on the show. He's like, "What are you playing at?" It's like, you know, I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> so listen, Tom, we're, we're fighting the good fight for you, mate. Don't you worry. No, I appreciate that, mate. <laughs> Tom, as always, mate, we love you, pal. So keep in touch. Love you too, mate. Take it easy. All right, dude. Take care, See Tom. Bye, bye. Ta-da, mate. Bye now. <sighs> Our Lord and Saviour. Joe, Martin, Ellis, what what more can you say about the big man? What more can you oh, say? Nothing more we can say, is there, than name a show after him? He deserves it. None of the others scored against Oxford yet, so it's all about Tom Broadbent. Well, see, this is the thing. You know, it's like, you know, you score against Oxford, and then you come on, you effectively score two against Oxford. And then you put that... Charlie challenge... Smith would have a bit of uh, an argument there. Well, he can argue all he likes. I think we all know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> that goal doesn't happen if it isn't for Sir Tom so he gets the credit he gets the name of the show like and, and, he's he's around final. Well, and, and listen as much as as much as we all love Frenchie like he's you know something something's got to happen this year hasn't it something iconic has got to happen this year in order for us to even consider it and even then it would be nothing more than a passing consideration I love just, just, love... just a quick one there I see, I see my man Vincent Harper's listening watch out for him in the Football League soon by the way oh really yeah watch out for him some player what can you tell us about Vincent Harper Tom <laughs> I lived with him for a year he's oh, like his yeah. son <laughs> <laughs> ping his number some player 
Well, listen, Vincent, I see you in that listener list, mate. I see you in that list. I'll tell you what we're going to try and do right now. Get him on. I'm I'm inviting you on, Vince. I'm inviting you on. Come come and say hello, Vince, and tell us all about you. Because, listen, we still got a week He's going to be nervous time. now, you know. He's going to be nervous. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be saying to himself, right, what can I say? What can't I say? I'm talking to the big boys from the Saton Broadbent Lounge. What? I've got to maintain my professional boundaries. Now, come on, Vincent, don't be a shrinking violet. You know, I, I quite like the idea of seeing a red and white scarf around his neck for a start. That blue yeah. and white one looks all right. Hey, you never know. You never know. One day, one day. <laughs> he's just sent me. He's just, <laughs> he's just sent me a message of crying faces. He's nervous. <laughs> Vincent, come on, Ben. Come on, come on, Vincent. Listen, listen to our sort of dulcet tones, mate. We're we're a, we're a, we're a, we're a safe bunch. We'll look after you, pal. That's an open invite. We just need to hear what you're all about, given Tom's really talked you up. <laughs> he, he said he's he said he's way too nervous to hop on. <laughs> <laughs> I should well listen, Vince. Look, hey, look, we'll pass we'll pass your details onto the club. Um, we'll we'll champion you, mate. Uh, yeah, an endorsement from Tom—that's like a hallmark of, yeah. of, of of quality. He got he got player of the year in that at, at Eastleigh last season. Really good young player, so. Oh, exciting! Yeah. Tom, what position left back? Left back. Left back. back. Very quick, strong, good player. Quick, strong, good player. Left wing back. So we've got Ellis and Reese both out injured. We've got um, uh, Fraser. Um, Fra- we, Fraser's just come in. He's to be fair, top quality. But can we argue he's now more of a centre back, lads? I think we possibly. But can we? Can't, I'm just trying to find an angle for Vincent there. Because we're we're right. Once all the boys are fit, we're all a bit overloaded on the left hand side, aren't we? <laughs> I'll take the agent fee when Swindon sign him as well. So. <laughs> you all do right. that, Tom. Don't you? All worry, right, I'll leave mate. you guys to it anyway. You're a ledge. Thanks, Cheers buddy. Again. See you, mate. Bye, bye. Ta-da now. Right. Well, there you are. Wow. <laughs> agent Broadbent. So it's. I mean, it's a fast. It's fascinating, though, listening to, to, to Tom Joe, isn't it? From um, it's. Yeah. I, th- I think most people. Um, I think when when Tom sort of cropped up at South Shields, I think there was a, a certain sort of air of um, surprise, um, because South Shields is that's a that's a big step down, and I think um, we were all of the opinion that actually, given some of our, especially some of our deficiencies at centre back last season, that you know Tom's one of those players. You think he surely you'd at least have him in the squad, would you not? And I'm not just saying that because we've named a show after him and putting all banter aside. Whether it was realistic or not that Tom would come back to Swindon Town, it was more about the level. So to see him sort of crop up at South Shields was a big surprise. But you start scratching beneath the surface. And I mean, he's mentioned it there. They've got a guy that owns South Shields that certainly would appear on, on paper to have sort of comparable levels of wealth to Clem Morfuni. Um, real good standing as a, as, a, as a person in the community up, up there in the, um, in the northeast. And then on top yeah. of that, You've got you've got Kevin Phillips as a manager as well. So like, if, if you start to look at like you know like real ambition in the non-league uh, non-league levels, I mean that's that's saying a lot, isn't it? Oh, hundred percent, it's up there. I mean, on paper, like I say, you see essentially the net worth of the club in terms of who owns it. Um, on paper, you know, Kevin Phillips is one of the best strikers this, this country's seen for the last twenty odd years. Um, I mean, it's certainly a name. It's an attractive um, proposition, and I think you know, if he if he can get one of his hometown clubs, if you like, even one promotion, he's in the National League North. It's, it's not a bad standard of football. Um, obviously, one more promotion on that, you're in the National League, which to me 
it's very, very close, if not kind of level with League Two. Um, yeah. So it's not a million miles away. I mean, I've got no doubt in my mind about Tom being probably the best player in that squad. You know, top striker, top number nine. Also, quite good at centre-back. So, you know, <laughs> he should be all right. Yes. And by the way, as well, by the way, anyone hasn't seen Martin Smith's strike last night, I think it was a 90th-minute equaliser. I saw it on Twitter today. It was an absolute worldie. So, Martin Smith was really interesting for us, wasn't he? Really interesting yeah. because he, he started off, I think it was his debut, maybe the next game, everyone was like, oh my God, like, we've got an absolute... It was his debut when he somebody. hit the bar from the halfway line. Uh, yeah, and he, and he just sort of just sort of drifted away, didn't he? Really, and nobody could really understand why. But it was like the managers just didn't really fancy him, um, and he just. I think of... Phil Brown. I think Phil Brown liked him, didn't he? And then obviously we. Uh... No, was it Flitcroft at the time? No, it was Phil Brown. Yeah, it was Flitcroft. Flitcroft. Oh, I'm uh, pretty sure. I think it was Phil Brown in the um, right. eighteen nineteen summer. But obviously, we we changed manager halfway through the season. Uh, Richie Wellens brings in Canny Carroll and Danny Rose. And then that's kind of that for Martin. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's one of those players. I think he suits a certain certain system. Um, I, I think, if if anything, you could what you could say for Martin Smith is he knows how to strike a football. Um, yeah. He's got absolute yeah, fun to the right foot. So, at that level, pinging shots from, from outside the box all day, every day, it's probably going to get about 15 goals a season. Yeah, but then you've also got, I mean, you know, uh, Tom mentioned players like Woods and, um, you know, Gary Little, vastly experienced, particularly um, towards the end of his career, like, the, you know, the lower two divisions. Very, very, very. Mm. So it, 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 you've, you've got some technicians in that side. And um, Tom was saying, and we take what Tom says on face value, but I mean, a, a side that is way, 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 um, uh, you know, above its level, uh, you know, certainly and not punching above its level either, like clearly above its level. But um, the point I'm, I think as well, when I mean, you have. Sorry, mate. I was going to say, no, when, no, you've no, got, no, um, no. when you've got professional players, like my local side, Farnborough, last season, same tier as um, as Brody's player now. So Brody played for Farnborough a few years back. But um, they had last season, they had Ricky Holmes come in from obviously uh, ex-Charlton Barnet. They had Sam Deering come in, who was ex-Oxford and um, played a lot of games at National League last year. Uh, I think Mitch Brundle as well. Like They had a load of players come in who were used to playing at least a National League standard. And you mm-hmm. can really see the difference. So I think, you know, it's probably going to be a similar story at, at South Shields. And with them training full-time as well, I mean, that's an extra helping hand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, look, Martin, I'll, I'll get your point of view on this. Um, I, you know, I, I mentioned to Tom that it's been it's been an interesting sort of, you know, so it's been an interesting return to League Two for us. And I had some banter with some Bradford fans last season because I mentioned that, like, typically it kind of felt like every single week we were playing a team, uh, particularly at home. I was trying to explain our difficulties at home with what Tom said there about every game is like a cup final. Um, You know, you've only got to go to places like Barrow. And with all due respect to some of these clubs like Barrow, Crawley, you know, clubs like that, we turn up at those grounds and it's it's probably snobbery on my part, you know. But, I mean, obviously, I've I've been a fan. I've seen us play in the Premier League. I walk into grounds like Crawley. Obviously, we're there on merit, right? I get that. But I walk into those stadiums and I stand there and I just go, oh, my God, you know, I'm... Here we go again, and 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 again, like I really don't mean to be kind of rude about those clubs. It's not me, you know, being intentionally 
you know, offensive. It's just more a question of like, I've kind of been to the mountaintop, the quote, the late Dr. King, you know, I've seen, I've seen paradise on the other side of it, you know, and I, I kind of, that, that I was brought up on, you know, the championship, what it is now as standard, you know, the old division two. So for me, you know, I, I can only try and reflect as, as a human being now. If I'm going in the stands and going, oh, my God, like, look at the state of this when we go to some of the grounds I've mentioned. <laughs> I, I can imagine what the players are saying. Now, you're, you're a coach, Martin, right? So, you know, yeah. you'll, 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 be, you'll be plugged in on, on more of a kind of performance level. But you get where I'm coming from. I don't mean to waffle on about it, but it's just like, you know, it's it's... The last season in particular, I think we got there towards the end of the year, Martin, didn't we? We, we kind of seemed yeah. to be getting over that. But, oh, my God, like, it wears you down, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, and it, when you go, like, if we end up at an ex-Premier League club and we haven't been to these grounds for a long time, I feel like we're at the turning point where we start to be like, wow, this is a really nice ground. And I do kind of worry that we're going to, at some if we don't get out of this league quite soon, we're going to turn into a club where we go in a cup draw to a championship league one club. And we go, Oh, this is a nice ground. And I don't want us to be that. Um, I think you said about every team coming to us pretty much. and feeling like it's a cup final because it's a better stadium than these two bigger crowds. I get that. I think especially for like Harrogate, was it Harrogate's first season last season, the football league. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of their some of their players had come up from the um, Conference North mm-hmm. and into the National League and then up into League Two. So for them, that journey, and they've gone from playing in those grounds to probably not that many people, and they started to get into better stadiums, bigger crowds, and now they're in League Two. That's really going to pump them up because, I guess, mentally, they think, wow, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I've worked this hard and now I'm a Football League player. And it will give them that extra boost. Um, yeah. So I think I think that does play a big part of it. I don't think it's just the fact of oh, this is Swindon. They used to be in the Premier League. I think it's very much this is a big crowd, big stadium. I cannot believe I'm actually here. I've worked so hard for this. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting one. We'll, we'll bring um, Charlie's joined us. Charlie, good evening, money or oh, good morning to you. How are you down there? Hello, Charlie. You with us, bud? Yeah, sorry, mate. Someone's just ringing me at the same time. How are we? All good? <laughs> yeah, not bad at all, Charlie. We were just t- we had Tom Broadbent on, who's um, this season he's dropped down to Northern Premier, so he's playing for South Shields. Yeah. And he was making a point that there's a lot of investment going on at their football club. This will probably feel relevant to you in, in terms of your career path. But they've got Kevin Phillips as their manager. They've got a very, very wealthy backer certainly akin to sort of Clem Morphoony levels of wealth. And we were saying about last season, Swindon really struggled at home. And you sort of got the feeling a lot of these League Two clubs and League Two players were coming to the county ground and it, they were almost playing it like a cup final for them. Um, as, as, as a lad that sort of made that jump up from Paul to Swindon and then kicked on, is there any truth in that, mate? Or, or do you feel that maybe I'm overplaying that point? There's a lot of money in Long League, Mark. There's a lot of money in Long League. I know everybody thinks, oh, yeah, we play in the Football League, there's that never need to pay money and all this kind of nonsense. There'll be. Yeah. Let me tell you. Um, I guess so, yeah, because you come and you want to play at a big stadium and you think, right, this opportunity to, to play in front of a historic club in a certain way with Swindon Town and 
it's the same as when you go anywhere really that's there'd been probably what four or five clubs would there have been maybe more in league two at the time last year yeah yeah that uh that players would go to and be like look you know what this is my opportunity to shine I mm. guess and, and that's what happens but that that that's it goes in stages don't it you have that with um what is it you have that with like the non-league to league two and then when it comes to the FA Cup that's why you have so that you get a few shocks in the FA Cup and the league cup because lads take the opportunity do you know what I mean and, and they're at they are their cup finals that happens that happens a lot for sure yeah. All right. Well, listen. You, you're you're having a busy time of it down there, mate, aren't you? Have you so Fraser Fraser Coast three day training yeah. camp? Have you, have you set off for that yet? Are you are you there yet? Or yeah, 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 mate. We left on um, Tuesday, so left Tuesday. Did two sessions. Yes. Sorry, mate. Look at us. Charlie Austin pre coffee, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, mate. Honestly, um, yeah. Left on Tuesday. Did two sessions yesterday. Three sessions yesterday. Sorry. And then I'm doing the same again today. And then one on Friday. Then we got a game on Saturday. And then we yeah. Then we go back now. No, it's, listen, it's like any training camp. We need to do it. We need to get the weekend. But we've got a quarterfinal cup competition next Wednesday to play in. So it's like we need to get the work in somehow. But we also got to have one eye on the on the cup. Yeah, and without being disrespectful, the the sort of football Queensland select eleven, are they going to be much of a match for Brisbane Raw? Like, what what sort no. of position are you expecting, buddy? I have no idea, but I don't think they're going to be any good. Yeah, okay. Open training sessions as well. I understand as part of your part of your itinerary. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's like it's more for like the kids. To be fair, it's mad over here. Like I found marks, and for everyone, like football in the schools is massive. Yeah, mm-hmm. see all the kids playing football. And as soon as they get to like 15, 16, all the AFL people just take the best ones, the most athletic ones. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So then you have like a tough, then it's quite tough then because they kind of lose their way as such. But like I said, I said, I don't know if I mentioned it to you before, but listen, for football in this country is a big nine months. The soccer is qualified for the World Cup. And then next summer, the Women's World Cup's here. So um, if football's going to grow in the country, it's certainly going to be the next nine months. If yeah. it doesn't, then well, then it's got no chance. Yeah, gotcha. Do you have to? Do you have to mind your p's and q's for the opening training sessions, Charlie? If we're being really honest, uh, like throughout your career, you've done a few of them. Do you, are you told, yeah. like, come on, lads, watch the language? <laughs> no, I mean it's like just for common sense. I think, especially when there's especially when there's kids about, you know. What I mean? Yeah, yeah. When there's loads of kids about, it's not too bad. When there's like ten thousand fans booing you and course calling you every name under the sun, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, you, so, and you mentioned obviously um, before we speak next week, you got the small matter of the quarter. I think it was the quarterfinal against Adelaide United, right? In the Aussie Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a bit tough one. Yeah, they, I mean they're they're a decent lineup. Got some half decent players, from what I understand. Yeah, I think they've got they've got a few. Um, I think they've got a couple of soccerers in their team. And this um, will be a tough game. It really will. But when you're in this, when you're in the cup competition, anything can happen. We need to play better opposition going towards the A League, and then listen, we've got four weeks, I think, until the season starts. That's the only downside, Mark. It just the cup competition's great. But Jesus, it takes so long until the league starts, like October. Feels like I've been here forever. I've only been here five weeks, not even played a you know what I mean? Just because you're back home, it's like, right, it's five weeks, it's six weeks. The season's gonna start. We're ready to go. 
here it's like nine weeks it's like fucking hell it's ages <laughs> and, and charlie you've um since sort of talking to us about swindon town not being able to score a goal we've we've got now managed to score five so did you I I did. Well, obviously, we um, uh, we lit the, lit the touch paper on Saturday. We 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 dispatched bottom of the table Rochdale, um, three goals to nil. Scored scored after uh, all of twenty odd seconds, um, mm-hmm. and then yeah, turn the screw. What what? I mean, is, did you pick up on any coverage, mate, down under in terms of our our yeah, action the at the three, weekend? The three against Rochdale, I did the guy, the lad is a funny one for you, mate. So the lad who scored the first goal, yeah, Jakey Wakes. Yeah, I have been informed, and he wasn't very good, by the way. I've been informed by Steve Hooper that he used to be my boot boy at West Brom. He did indeed. He's told us this, mate. He's been very open about it. Well, he wasn't fucking any good. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't even know. No, listen, do you know what? Probably playing Rochdale come at a great time for the club because mm. it, it was a great time, but it could have been a sticky one, you know, if I didn't, then obviously we didn't get the result because Watchdog, let's be honest, they are, they're in a club that's in a sticky situation and not a great situation at the moment. They have no manager. The players look very low. And when you come down to Swindon Town, if you're 1-0 down after 20 seconds, you think, oh, here we go again. Do you know what I mean? So I think mm. it was a fantastic start for the club. It, it probably settled a lot of nerves that were in the stadium at the time. And then for the team to go on and play the way they did, move the ball around, score score three goals at home in front of the crowd. How many was there? Was there a few there this time, Mark? Was it eight? Good eight, eight, eight yeah, good eight, eight and a half thousand in the ground, mate. So yeah, um, that's what I mean. So it's, it's yeah, that's what I mean. So it's going in the right direction. It's yeah. going in the right direction. But like I say, it's patience. You got the first one done. They won three nil. Let's move on now. And then listen, we got it's a tough one on Sunday against Stockport. Like that, that's not going to be easy. There, when I spoke to you at the start of this, when, when I come on, Stockport are a team that pay big money. Like they pay big mm. money in, in the conference last year. They really do. They, mm. it, they're going to be up there fighting this year to try and get, get. I don't know how the results are, but going on the club and and the money that they they've been throwing about, it wouldn't surprise you that they're they're in the mix this year of, of around the playoffs or whatever. But it'd be a tough game. It's a tough place to go, Stockport. The pitch is always not the best. Like They still play at Sale Rugby Place, don't they? They all share the ground. Mm. Uh, there, I remember going there once with Bill, when I was at Swindon. The game got called off. The pitch was frozen. It got called off at 7pm. Oh, wow. Horrendous, mate. Yeah, I think they, they've had a really indifferent start. I think there's a lot of expectation on Stockport and whether that's weighing them down or what, I'm not sure. They've basically won one, yeah. I believe, lost four of their games. Um, they've not scored They've not scored a lot of goals. So, But yeah. at the same time, that you mentioned that, um, you know, not your vernacular, but essentially you've alluded to Rochdale being a bit of a banana skin potential on Saturday. Yeah. I think Stockport away has got the um, it has got banana skin written all over it for me. Um and as you say, they you know pay an awful lot of money. You know they're going to have players there that aren't aren't going to be bothered by. Um, you know there's going to be no egos involved. They're not going to be bothered by big old Swindon coming to Edgeley Park. They're going to they're going to turn the screw for sure. So um, yeah, well obviously we we keep our fingers keep our fingers crossed, mate. Fat, we'll we'll finish with on a family note, Charlie. Obviously delighted to see uh, Bianca and the kids are, are with you now in Oz. Is everyone settled in? No hiccups and and hopefully avoiding the uh, the wildlife as well. 
Yeah, mate, all good now. Kids in that are here, they're just still getting over the jet lag, which is nice. But they don't start school till October, mate. So they're like, their kids are having it off. Um, no, so it's all good, mate. I'm, I'm pleased. Obviously, they're, they're here now, so we can all start this adventure and the journey together. And look, who knows? Listen, it, it is a it's a new adventure for a couple of years, and we'll see what happens, mate. Hey, listen, Charlie, you go, you go and sing some coffee, mate, and get on with your morning. An absolute treat. We'll catch up with you on Chazetta Football Australia next week, buddy. Go on, boys. I'll catch you later. Right? All the best, Marky. See you, mate. Take care, pal. Bye now, mate. Bye, mate. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, Charlie Austin, what a boy. What a boy. Ellis, I'll bring you in. We haven't spoken to you for a bit. You're probably sitting there super quiet. Um, <laughs> what he's he's a top lad, so he you can you can tell that obviously he's keep he's keeping an eye on all things Swindon, not not just because he comes on this show, but there really is a genuine interest there. It's um must be a very 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 exciting time for the Austin family, like moving his whole sort of kit and caboodle um, down under, you know, moving to a country where they all speak the lingo. That's got to be great if you've got a young family, isn't it? Sort of appreciate Ellis, you're yeah. you're some way off having a young family yourself, but yeah, a little bit. As, as, a, as a young lad yourself, that the idea of you know your family moving down to Australia and giving you that quality of lifestyle, I mean, mate, that must that must that must get your uh, that must get <laughs> that must get your eyes opening. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, for a whole family moving there. I mean, it'd be lovely to have that money to say, right, we're off to Australia. We're moving that. Um, but yeah, good on him. Yeah, what's um? I mean, from I mean, go back to um what Charlie was saying there about um stop, stop talk. We'll have a we'll have a little bit of a a stop talk conversation um later. Ellis, but um, have you have you been a? I mean, I'm, have you been a Stockport away? I know Martin. You, I'm pretty sure Martin. You've told me you've been a Stockport away, and Joe, likewise, you've been a Stockport away. Um, he's used those words "banana skin," hasn't he, um, Charlie? In his summary, if you've got someone like Charlie Austin with his kind of football career behind him, sort of um, mentioning that, um, you know, kind of speaks volumes, doesn't it? It does, and the way they play, and it, it is a hostile atmosphere, which. They're not always the friendliest crowd to play in front of, so that can play a part. Um, but they're also just a very good team. They've, regardless of how they started the season, the way they played um, last year, the players they've got, very dangerous. They can score goals. The way they played in the FA Cup against teams higher than them, they did not look out of place at all. So yep. it's going to be a very, very tough game. Yeah. Well... As I say, we'll uh, we'll come back on the stop for. Um, I'm, I'm beavering away in the background, trying to bring um, uh, both Honor and um, and Keelan on. Um, appreciate we've got the head honchos from um, Swindon Town uh, Women's Football Club um, listening in as well, guys. If there's anything, I don't know if you're in in the company of um, both Honor and Keelan, but if there's anything we can do to get those guys on. Um, speaking, that would be fantastic. Um, Keelan, just received your message, mate. I assure you, nobody has temporarily blocked you from the space. But I'll tell you what I'll try and do. I will try and cancel your invitation um, and we'll try and get you We'll try and get you uh, back on. Um, if you just bear with us whilst we are, the inevitably, the gremlins of a live show. Um, are here for all to see. Um, whilst Keelan's uh, beavering away in the background, delighted to confirm we've got Honor on with us. Honor, good evening. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? 
Oh, I'm over the moon, Honor. It's been ages since I spoke to you. You'll probably remember lacing a penalty past me at the Low Stranger Shield. And and uh, I think both, um, I, I'm sure it was either yourself, was it, I mean, both yourself and Gypsy were playing that day. And I'm pretty sure you were on the opposing side. Um, but um, yeah, that seems like um, that seems like forever and a day ago now, doesn't it? Yeah, it was a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure it's actually uh, my Twitter profile picture as well. Just to oh, rub salt in the wound, even more. Just to rub salt. Yeah, you sent me totally the wrong way, didn't you? Totally the wrong way. Right. We'll um, let's see if we can get Keelan on via the main account. Keelan, good evening. How are you? If you can hear me, all right? Oh, yes, you are. You are good evening, Keelan. So listen, Keelan and Lotta, both of you, unmute your mic. So this is a this is a really, really exciting week for Swindon Town women, isn't it? We've got um there's been a stellar announcement. We talked about it um on the day that the news broke. We were we were live at the county ground when we first got whispers of it. And then we um so we were able to talk a little bit to uh, Tom Hartley and then we followed up the following Wednesday in a little bit more detail. But um so essentially a story of attracting pretty significant back in. Um, and bringing more of Swindon Town Women's Football Club closer to the county ground. So, uh, which, which of you two want to lead on this and sort of give us give us the put the meat on the bones? I think KP's got the <laughs> behind the scenes knowledge on this one. Yeah, uh, obviously, yes. The committee's been working hard in the background to try and get us um, back in Swindon as much as possible um, for players like Honor. Essentially, that's what they're all about: trying to get girls to play to a crowd. So. Um, yeah, so Nationwide have kindly made a, a very significant donation to us to allow us to pay to use for Foundation Park for four games this season. Uh, and then there's ongoing talks around fixtures trying to get two games at the county ground, as you will see from the advisory board. Uh, as, as ever, we're trying to be yeah, I mean, pressures of Marcus's pitch. So uh, just trying to tinker that through the committee. Are, but yeah, that's the plan. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful news. I mean... Um, Keelan, from it's interesting because on the day that this news broke, we had a um, we had a sort of five strong panel um, broadcasting a match day show at the county ground live from the Legends Lounge, and to an individual, um, the the first sort of barrier, if you will, of um, entry to Swindon Town Women's Football Club from all of those that were sat around the table um, was proximity yeah. um, and the fact that so many games were being played in Fairford and that you know people feel that. You know, they kind of feel that they need to see the women's football club playing their games in Swindon, both in terms of it feeling like, you know, more of a legitimate part of our club, for want of a better word. Um, but also just in terms of the convenience of the county ground being right at the heart of our community. So d d does that wash with yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been involved in the club since the um, 1920 COVID season. And the manager at the time then, Jay Bloy Davies, he left in the summer to go to Sweden. Uh, is one of his aspirations to try to get us back into Swindon. Obviously, as a his head manager, head coach, he's obviously pushing committee to try and get us back in. Um, we were having chats with other non-league men's clubs around the grounds. We had chats with councils. Um, ironically enough, the night my wife was given birth, I was actually on a Skype chat, Teams chat, to a parish council trying to tender an offer for half a million pound stadium to be built that we could play at. Um, where we would get significant funding to build it because the level we play at. Unfortunately, de mm. they declined, um, mm. but with everything, it was silver lining. So, lucky enough for us, uh, with the ownership changing the club, they're obviously pushing to try and get more of us playing at Swindon. Uh, and the starting point for that is us at Foundation Park, which is great. Uh, if you look at other teams in our league, uh, the National League, 
I think Tottenham, uh, sorry, Newcastle last year got 20,000 to a home game. Um, Portsmouth this year got 3,000 to a preseason game. Now, we're not at that stage yet, but that's our aspiration to push towards that. So the start, starting yeah. point is to get a couple of hundred, hundred at uh, Valation Park. And then obviously, if we can get a couple of thousand at County Ground, we get a game there. That will help us to say that this is financially viable and therefore there's a reason for us to be playing here rather than um, it just being a show yeah. for the sake of it. So, Honor, I mean, we go go back to mine and your glorious, <laughs> glorious match at the at the county ground. Um, it's it's one thing playing at the county ground, isn't it? An empty county ground. It's and and the the lads that played during the the COVID lockdown season have actually said this as well. Like you know, from a from the you know the men's first team perspective, one thing playing at a lovely stadium is another thing playing in front of a crowd, isn't it? Honor, what what would it mean to you, Connor? Uh, Honor, in terms of a crowd, how like just just sort of put. put Help me understand the sort of psyche, how how that would literally have a tangible impact in your approach to a match day and, and, and your impact on the pitch. Yeah, I think at first, because normally we're used to playing in front of um, not very many people, so parents, friends, any family that wants to come and watch because that's the people who are normally interested and willing to kind of travel to watch. But having a crowd would be... Um, different at first but I think it's something we could quickly get used to especially if we know these people are supporting us um, willing to watch us which is great it's what we want at the end of the day because it's kind of everyone's dream to be a footballer and part of being a footballer is playing in front of a crowd yeah so I think it would be a great feeling for us to know we're going to walk out and there'll be soft like with maybe 50 people it builds up to 100 and then like KP was talking about getting 3,000 it would just be really good for the players to know that there are people who care, people want to see us, people want to see us succeed. So in terms of mentality, I think it would actually do us um, just well. It would be a good thing. I, I think it's really interesting, Honor, actually. I think the, the sentiment amongst the Swindon Town supporter base is, is obvious. Like e- Everybody wants Swindon Town Women's Football Club to succeed. You know, Everybody that goes to a game, I think if you did a straw poll... You know, you're going to be very, very surprised if there is if there is a number that gets anywhere out of single digits about people that don't wish you any well. The the trick is obviously, you know, com- converting that sort of like you know you know that goodwill into into active interest. I mean, from from your perspective, Honor, as a player, what do you feel are the are the, are the boundaries of entry for you know for football fans? Because you're you you're a regular attendee, obviously, at the county ground watching you know the first team. Um, you are you're heavily you've always been involved in the club. I've you know I've, I often see your face at, at away games, and um, I'm usually a bit too bashful to come over and say hello because you've always got people with you. But what um, what do you feel are the barriers to entry, and and what would you say to people you know in terms of pushing those barriers aside? Um, I think obviously the main barrier that we have spoken about is um, where we currently play our home matches. Um, although Fairford isn't that far away, it's still good you know, half an hour, 25 minutes for most people further. Um, and it's if you just want to pop along and see what's going on, it's quite a way to go. So I think that's definitely one barrier. Another would maybe be just awareness of when we play and who we're playing against. Uh, we do play most of our matches on a Sunday, um, Sunday afternoons, and I don't know if people are fully aware of that. Um, just because they, it might not be something they know until afterwards. They might see a score on social media. And I think 
it's quite easy for people to say, oh yeah, we must go, and then kind of just forget out out of no real um, reason it just happens. And I think that's probably it, to be honest. I think people just need to be more aware. There needs to be maybe a little bit more promotion on games, and I think that's happening. I've seen loads of um, advertisement for this game. And if people come on Sunday and they like it and they want to keep watch, I'm sure they will, then that's when I think people will then start to come to our games at Fairford and continue to, you know, when we get more games in Swindon, keep up their interest and keep coming along. Would you would you like to see sort of you know more more sort of presence from from Swindon Town from a, a, a men's first team or just from the men's club per se on there? Is that helpful or is that a hindrance? Because obviously you want you want to be attracting crowds based off of your own achievements on the pitch, right? And your own abilities and, and the show that you guys put on. But at the same time you know, there was a lovely festival feel that got kind of whipped up over the summer by the successes of the Lionesses. Um, so we can't kind of, I guess, what I'm trying to say, is you can't really ignore the fact that so much was done off the pitch to kind of attract people with that festival feel. Would, is that help or a hindrance, do you feel, getting the, the broader club involved um, to come along and support games and support you guys in your matches? Yeah, it's definitely a help. Um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't, I don't think, do us any damage if we had... Um, people from the men's side come and watch. I know there's an active interest um, between some of the committee members and that, but at the same time, um, we obviously can't force anyone to come and watch us. But no, I definitely think if people see um, staff or players watching, then it will make them think, again, well, we should go and do that. We should see that. We should see them play. And if they know there's going to be people like players or whatever, staff. I think the club's at quite a good place now where people know not just the people on the pitch, the players, they know the backroom staff, they know who they are, which is, again, it's just another thing in making the club feel like one and being, bringing people closer together. Yeah, and so, Honor, you've, you've, you know, you, um, first game of the season at the weekend, um, Selsey 3, Swindon uh, 1. Um, what was what was the takeaways from the game? That not they're not Selsey aren't necessarily a club that are gonna. If you're not acquainted with women's football, they're not a club that are immediately gonna spring to mind. Was you know? Can you tell us a little bit more about the game from the weekend? Um, yeah, unfortunately, I didn't play because I'm currently injured at the moment. Um, I got injured in a pre-season game, but I've spoken to um, obviously I've spoken to teammates and that since, and I think it was. Uh, fairly you know first game of the season we've obviously got new new manager in place as well I think people were um, not happy but I think there were some positives to take away there's stuff for us to build on and like you said Selsey not necessarily a club people might think about but I think within women's football um, there are clubs who you might hear and you do think just because they don't have an established men's side they won't be a good team but I think that's one of the key points as well. Like, just because they don't have a men's team in the EFL doesn't mean they're not um, a force to be reckoned with. I think Selsey are, um, you know, they're a good side. I think they're maybe a little bit more physical. Um, but I know there's definitely stuff that we can take away, work on. And, you know, it's all about building. We, we, we know where we want to get to. And we're going to learn and get there together. Well... 
I mean, look, Honor, before we go back to for Keelan for a couple of points, what, what are your what are your personal targets for this for this season, Honor? Um, it's obviously particularly given the you know with the additional investment with more football being played both at the county ground and in the shadow of the county ground. Obviously, I'm sure you're going to want to catch the eye. Have you set yourself any personal targets this year you can share with us? Uh, yeah, so at the moment, uh, just trying to get back fit, make my ankle uh, not swell. Uh, that's a little one, but I'd I'd like to, you know, get a place, a solid place in the team. Um, I love swimming town. I, all I want to do is represent them. Um, so I think for me, I just really want to work on getting a solid place in the team and keeping going. And hopefully, by the end of the season, we would have played six matches in the city or in the centre of the town and that can and we'll have a solid fan base at the end of it and keep pushing to bigger things uh, well look honor we wish you all the luck in the world i meant every word i said when i said you know you're very very visible around the county ground probably because obviously i've shared a football pitch with you um so i recognize your face but um i saw you at warsaw i've seen you around like I, and i love to hear you saying sort of speaking about our club with with such positivity and love. So we wish you all the best, Honor, with your personal targets. And, um, you know, Keelan, coming coming back to yourself. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, Keelan, coming back to yourself on on sort of, you know, the, the, the season ahead. Um, it's interesting listening to sort of Honor talking about, you know, the, you know, sort of, if you will, barriers. We're all facing barriers going into this season. But, you know, it, it potentially is going to be an interesting step for the ladies, isn't it, to to start playing playing in front of crowds. How, how, from a coaching point of view, do you go about trying to help them get over that mental shift? Yeah, so um, I went, we spoke to Tom Hartley, obviously, you know quite well, came on this year's director of football. We've, we've spoke about sort of like the resilience um, piece over this week, uh, similarly to trying to get girls to come and do things like this and put themselves out there in the crowd a little bit. Uh, there's still that sort of aura about women's football from certain aspects of uh, culture and society. So I think, I'm not sure if that's a, a barrier that's in their mind, but trying to get our girls to be a bit more on the forefront and used to talking in front of people about their ambitions, like Honor's talking about them. What sort of, when you, when, sorry, Keelan, yeah. but you talk about an aura, what, what exactly do you mean by well, that? I mean, like, obviously, if you put, if you put YouTube tweets up or, or comments and stuff like that, so I'm not sure if that's... I, I haven't spoken to the girls, actually, I won't get enough. Uh, we're talking about it as staff of how we support them. So, mm. obviously, some of the girls are quite young, 16, 17, 18, 19. So, for them to come on publicly and talk... They, I don't know, maybe they don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, so yep. that's the first stepping stone. Can they be comfortable in a, a thing like tonight? Uh, and then can you then be more comfortable if you have a crowd, like on a said, I think we played at the county grounds uh, in the nineteen twenty season and we had 350 people there. And on average, we got 80 to 100 to our games that season. So if you take that to the next level where you've got two, three, four hundred, can the girls still focus on the role they've got to do, which is just 11 v 11 on a football pitch? But um, they've got that extra uh, atmosphere they've got to deal with. So um, that's something that we have to focus on this year, especially if we are trying to improve our numbers at games. We still need them to go and perform. Because um, if, if you're not really that well-versed in, there's um, obviously we play at the fourth tier. So we're in the hundreds, top 100 teams in the country. So the girls play at a very good standard. Um, so like I said, there's a, there's a spread of fans that go to games at this level. So if we want to take ourselves into that, that next level, that's one of the things that's going to come up against them. Uh, and we, we have coaching staff, don't have to do the tech tactical side, but how do they socially deal with that, psychologically deal with 
people on sidelines shouting at the pressure um, that will come as they go up through the tiers, hopefully. So, yeah, something we need to consider. Yeah. But I don't know if all the answers. That's why someone like Tom Hartley's brilliant to have on side um, because he's got a lot more experience in terms of that than I have. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's it, obviously it's been a very, very interesting and another um, regrettably interesting week of debate around the women's game. But um, off the back of Graham Sooner's comment yeah. last week, rightly or wrongly, the context of which they were they were taken. I mean, to what extent does that affect the psychology of the girls? Do they just go out on the pitch and get on with it? And is it more, is, is it like, you know, for want of a better word, the kind of, you know, do they leave the circus off the pitch for other people to deal with? Or is is that something that affects them when they're in the changing room, lacing up the boots, going out on the pitch? No, I don't think so, because I think you don't go to watch a women's game unless you are enjoying it. Um, so, lucky enough, we don't really get that much bad press or I don't see it unless they get any other comments personally to their Twitter or Instagram accounts or whatever. Um, so, that's that's a good yeah. thing, really, in my eyes. But, um, yeah, the great Sooners comment, I think, this is just my opinion. I, I don't think he's meant it as it's stated. Um, we talk about the women's game, the men's game. I think he's just talking about at that particular moment in time, men versus men. Um, obviously, yeah, he's got a female in the room. I think he has Karen next to him, the ex-Leeds player. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I think it's been taken out of a bit of context. It's, I think sometimes this when it's intentional, it's a bit different. But lucky enough, like I said, I don't, I've never seen anything like that at our games because people that come to watch our games are quite happy that they want to be there. Um, and yeah. I think with, I'll, I'll speak to Tom as well because his wife works for the Women's Euros so I'm trying to get some data on the people that go to watch women's games compared to men's uh, and it seems to be a lot more family orientated I think the split from male to female is 40 female, 60 male I think it's about 30% under 16s um, which I don't think is comparison in the men's either League 2 or Premier League so um, I think it's a bit yeah. more family orientated and friendly Um so for us, if we had loads of schoolgirls and wanted to come and watch and be aspiring to be those sorts of girls, then that's brilliant because the closest professional clubs they've got to us is Reading, who play in the WSL, Bristol City, who play in the Championship. And then after that, everyone else is in our, our league, National League, whether it's Premier or Division 1. So um, if they don't want to travel to fair for 25 minutes to go and see a professional game, you've got to travel an hour. So for us to come closer to Swindon and have that, 10, 11, 12-year-old girl go, actually, I can go play that standard. Hopefully, when she's there in five, six, seven years, this standard is where the WSL was six years ago, which wasn't even professional. Yeah. So uh, that's thing for me as a person, I leave this club in however many years, is have we grown the game to a point where a girl can see it and want to be a part of that when she gets older? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting question for you, Keelan. So, I it kind of links into the question that I just asked you, really, um, as a, as a barrier to entry to the women's game. Obviously, the the men's game has a has has issues with. I mean, you you know those that were at the game at the county ground on Saturday would have heard the odd unsavoury um, sort of chant um, coming out the town end. Um, you know, overtly sexist chant, albeit. The way it was explained to me at the time was it was being directed at Harry McCurdy because he had taken his top off as opposed to anybody else that had run on the pitch. Um, but football is clearly you are seeing players having to take the knee to deal with, um, you know, intolerance at all levels and so on and so on and so forth. To, to, to what extent 
do you feel, um, you know, it is a barrier to entry for some fans that are worried about maybe saying the wrong thing? Maybe that be criticising the women's game or passing judgment by the pitch and that being misconstrued as, say, sexism. Is that is is would it be fair to say that for some that 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 is a barrier to entry? Could could the women's game? Um, do you feel that the women's game is is welcoming enough in that respect, in terms of opening that debate and and maybe trying to educate and be tolerant as opposed to sort of getting on the front foot? I hope I'm making sense. Oh, I don't know whether the show has dropped out, so let's let's just try and. Joe, I'm going to see if I can bring you on. Joe, can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear, mate. Okay, it appears we've lost Keelan there, uh, which is a bit of a shame. Um, while we try and get Keelan back on, Joe, um, we're just talking about the women's game. I don't, I don't think that there is a problem in the women's game. I still here. Oh, Keelan, brilliant. Sorry, sorry. I don't know if you got the tail end of my question there, Keelan. What I'm yeah, saying, I did. I yeah, yeah. I don't believe there is a problem in the women's game with like necessarily intolerance, but it's a very, very sensitive topic of debate because we've gone from sort of none of the media covering women's football to then suddenly we are, we've gone from famine to feast and we're getting so <laughs> much wonderful football to watch. But there is, you know, you, you, you mentioned the other weekend, you know, the, the soonest sort of conversation opened up a very very interesting debate around tolerance around ignorance around you know people just making innocent comments and those being taken way out of context or actually people sort of questioning whether or not that was an innocent comment do, do you is is to some i mean i would imagine if i'm of, of a certain mindset keelan that to me might feel like a barrier to entry but as i say you got my, my got my question i should probably let you answer yeah. it <laughs> yeah no so yeah i was just saying that obviously the I didn't hear. I was in the. I watched the game on Saturday. I was there with my boy because my wife's the first team physio for the men's. So um, I didn't. I didn't hear anything from the tennis. So I'm not. I'm not exactly sure whether it was at McCurdy or someone else on the pitch. Um, I can only really assume what you're getting at there. But yeah, I think. I think in terms of is it women's game? I don't know. Is it, is it more sensitive or not? I think. I think obviously with with sexism or comments things like that. Obviously, I'm a male, so it's difficult for me to comment. I can only have empathy. Um, with scenarios where girls have gone through, whether it be, obviously we've had some of our players play boys football when they were younger, and then they get to an age, previously the FA said, you're a girl, you need to know go and play women's football. Well, actually, that girl was doing really well on a boys team or mixed team at the time. Um, and obviously nowadays, I mean, you look around Wiltshire and there's girls age groups from five to, to 18. Um, and then in terms of match-going fans to go and watch a game, yeah, I think the the best way is to go and experience it. So, like obviously you said, we've got a game at Foundation Park on Sunday. Bring bring your your, your daughters or, or sons down uh, and experience it. And I, obviously, I've, I'm a se- Arsenal season ticket holder, so I've been to games for a few years. And I stand in the North Bank. I've been to Swim Town games when I'm right next to the away fans, uh, yeah. and you get different atmosphere depending on where you sit. Whether it's more family orientated, more right next to the away fans, um, depends who you're playing. So, um, yeah, I think that's just football, though, isn't it? It's, it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very atmospheric, very passionate. So, I, I think in the women's game at the moment, still, it's very family orientated. Whether it'll go that way, I don't know if the, the people that watch it change. But at the moment, it's definitely a, a game where you can bring younger kids and there's not a fear. Um, I, I don't think the game's overly sensitive. I think sometimes things might get taken out of control. I think, but again, you know when comments are made that... Uh, are 
genuinely trying to be hurtful. Um, and that just needs to be nipped in the bud as it is and then moved on from. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, maybe I guess... It, I'm, I'm sure it's something that one of the benefits, I guess, of, of, of Swindon Town Women's Football Club sort of being at the pitch they are with crowds is that if there is anything that is said that is way, way, way out of kilter, that can be quickly identified. And hopefully individuals, if it's at a stage where it's acceptable to educate, then they can be dealt with and ignorance can be educated. Uh, but equally, if it's something that's way, way, way over the line, then obviously that can be passed on to the authorities. They can be dealt with accordingly. But, um, well, I mean, listen, I mean, I, I'm, I said to Tom, uh, Keelan, and, and Honor, I'm, I'm really, really thrilled that there's this, there's this wonderful groundswell um, around our women's football club. You know, the more football coming out of Swindon Town, the better. But, yeah, as I said, I'll take you right the way back to my very, very, very first point. When we sat down and we first got the you know the conversation rolling with Tom about the women's football club and what's happening with nationwide the big point from everyone around the table everybody chipped in and said it's critical that the women's football team are playing their football either at the county ground or within the vicinity of so congratulations guys i mean it's a huge step we're really 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 excited lark hall on sunday obviously is there anything um, keelan or honor you want to tell us about lark hall is there anything you want to say to swindon fans ahead of that game is I'm still there? Yeah. Yeah. Go on, on hit us with your big, um, hit us with the big rallying call. Yeah, bit of a local derby and uh, had some exciting uh, action-packed games with them last season. So uh, hopefully can be the same, but uh, in our favour. Well, that's that's that, that sounds good. So we're talking derby, derby day territory. Um, um I mean, really, obviously. Keelan, I guess more of the same, really. Honours very, very, very sort of put it so articulate, has articulated it so well um, during this segment. You know, it mean the world to the girls to obviously have a crowd there. It would be a big sort of like, you know, change in mentality. Obviously, more people there. There's going to be more people spending money, which means more investment in the women's club, which ultimately means more growth. I mean, I'm kind of doing the rallying call for you, but <laughs> I mean, really it's, about, it's about getting bums on seats and packing out Foundation Park, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's different elements of the football club. You've got the the play-in to so the girls, like Honours just said there, to have a, a crowd follow and watch, that's one element of it and absolutely that's the most important bit to give them the experience of playing in front of a crowd. And like Honours said, it's the local derby. So for us, our local teams are Larkall, Canesham out of Bath, Portishead in Bristol. But Larkall's been in this league for a few years now. Um, Portishead's come up last year and Canesham came down this year. So we played them twice last year, won 3-2 at our ground and lost 3-2 at their ground. Um, so it's really tight games. So for us going into this game this year, this is a, if we want to get some in the league, it's a, it's a must-win game for us. Um, so having an extra crowd there to, to boost us will be um, brilliant. Uh, and then, like you said, the footfall, uh, for us going forward, it's about showing that we have a following and therefore we need to continue to play games in Swindon because when we have games there, there's 300, 400 people, whereas in Fairford, they're 80 to 100. I mean, I'll just look now to have a look. I think it's two buses to get to Fairford or 26 miles um, or, or 26 minutes to drive. Yeah. Whereas if you're in Swindon, it's probably one bus or a walk. Um, and, it's, and let's be very, very clear, Keelan, it's in the wrong county, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wasn't even going to get onto that. <laughs> we're literally on the borders. Um, yeah, and uh, we're uh, cl- too close to those ones up the road in Cheltenham. So, um, yeah, no, to get us back in Swindon is absolutely ideal. So uh, we're obviously tracking our fixtures. We've got hopefully we have six games in Swindon out of the 11 home games, not including Cups. So to have more than half of our games there, uh, will be class. 
Uh, and that, to me, hopefully, is just a starting point. Um, that's not the that's not the end. That's not just stay at four games throughout the season. Let's go back and say, okay, this is sustainable now. Um, let's continue to play games in Fairford for the inevitable. Uh, sorry, at Foundation Park for the inevitable. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, Keelan, I'll, I'll echo to you what I said to Tom. Um, you know, we want the Tom Broadbent Lounge to feel like home to you guys as well, okay? It's an open invite uh, to you guys to come on our show at any point. Um, you know, we, we you know want to hear about your results, want to hear about your performances, want to hear from the players, want to hear from the coaches. So, um, you know where we, you know where to find us every Wednesday um, at nine pm. Just jump on, um, let us know what's going on. It's open forum, buddy, anytime. So, um, but um, we'll let you get on with your evening, Keelan. Thank you ever so much for joining us, and thank you, Honor, for joining us. A real treat to hear from you both. Thank you for having me. Uh, no. You're very welcome. No worries. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try and get some of the girls to come on, maybe even if it's every couple of weeks. Uh, and similarly, uh, we're very open and welcome. Uh, if you want to find anything about us, our website's been updated the last couple of weeks. So match highlights just gone out tonight from Sunday's game. Fixtures are on there, tickets, season tickets. Um, so players, help, help yourselves. If not, we'll see you on Sunday, hopefully. Lovely. Thank you, Keelan. Thank yeah. you. That's later. Um, Keelan and Honor from Swindon Town Women's Football Club. Um, really lovely insight. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased we were able to sort of, you know, talk about, <clears throat> you know, openly and transparently some of the kind of barriers to entry. Um, because I mean, depending depending on where you come from, um, there there are some very very delicate debates to be had around women's football at the moment, and they're. Um, you know, such is the kind of political um, sort of environment that we've got um, in the world at the moment. People will talk about cancel culture, um, you know, at the slightest slip of the tongue or misinterpretation of words. And that for some, um, I fear, is, is, is a reason for some to not want to get involved um, in the women's game at this juncture. Um, Joe, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll get your sort of view on, on this as... You know, somebody you and I have talked about um, the fact that, listen, from, from our perspective, football's football, right? Um, mm-hmm. There, there is quite clearly, you know, the the women's game will openly admit there is quite clearly a a, a gulf um, in the say the the standard of football you see in the men's Premier League versus the standard of football you see in the um, you know in the top flight of the women's game. But there, there are many, many different explanations as to as to that. Um, I've heard people explaining the difference between men's and women's tennis, men's and women's golf, men's and women's cricket. Um, it, it, nonetheless, in this with this incessant drive um, to um, get more and more people to open their eyes to the women's game, it's making you know a, a, a lot of football fans feel uncomfortable. Um, at a time where you know there's there's no need to feel uncomfortable. Football's football, right? But yeah. um, it's it's an it. You've I guess the point I'm trying to make. You've you've only got to look at the and and Keelan pointed it out himself when Sunes was talking last week. I think my gut reaction was, oh, those are kind of misplaced words. But I my immediate reaction was, I can see Sunes getting cancelled for that. And you saw Sky almost immediately jump on his comments and kind of like make an apology on his behalf with the presenter. And then almost immediately it started and the ball was rolling. And then Sunes was on TalkSport the next day, almost explaining what he had said. And and we're talking about one of the most decorated midfielders of his generation, you know, for one sort of, you know, slightly throwaway comment. Um, he was getting absolutely destroyed, wasn't he? So you can understand people's sensitivities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to waste too many breaths on Graham Sunes. Uh, genuinely, I don't think I hate a pundit or... To be fair, anyone that plays for Liverpool Football Club, I'm not a fan of. But Graeme Souness, 
more so than than anyone else. Um, what you said, it, it could have been taken, you know, the wrong way or misinterpreted. But I, I think you made a point about the the sort of perceived golfing quality between men's football and women's football. Um, I think you know a lot of it. There wasn't many women's football academies um, ten, fifteen years ago or before. You sort of got you've got obviously the the women's uh, Super League doing really really well at the minute. It's on Sky Sports every week. You've got academies at each of those clubs, so probably maybe twenty to fifty academies in England now. Women's for for young girls to get involved with. Um, which is only going to improve the standard of football. Obviously, you look at places like America and Canada, on the whole, they probably sell out more games for women's football than they do for men's football. Mm. I know in Canada, for example, you can sell out a 50,000-seat stadium for, for a women's international yeah. and maybe get 25,000 for the men's. Yeah. Um, just listed, they're one of the best teams in the world. And obviously, you know, now you've got, you've got um, the Lionesses doing what they did in the summer yeah, I mean, I, I was sat through it sweating as much as I was for the men's in the Euros the year before. And I just think if you're a if you're a family and you've got a little girl sat there with her England shirt on, getting as involved as she can because she's seeing role models that are like her on the telly. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just going to push the interest. Yeah, and and I guess this is the point, isn't it? I, I, what I would hope is that some of these people that might feel that you know. Listen, they've been conditioned by a game that has its problems with intolerances, all right? You know, you said the fact that we we should have to see footballers taking the knee sort of speaks volumes. And I'm going to talk about that across a whole range of intolerances, right? But yeah. you, you would hope that, you know, let's say for argument's sake, a mum or a dad that is maybe, you know, sort of affected or, you know, might have sort of certain set attitudes that some might find utterly abhorrent. In fact, most of us would. Um, you would like to think that, the good that was achieved in the summer, particularly by the Lionesses, the profile that, you know, the, just the fact that they lifted the pot, you know, their, their daughter's faces lighting up and they're, you know, Man, I you, think it's massive. It, it's it, literally massive. It, I went to Wembley yeah. a couple of weeks ago uh, to see a gig and I had to walk through the executive suite at Wembley. Yeah. And obviously you've got pictures of, you know, Raheem Sterling, you've got Wayne Rooney, Gary, Gary Bobby Charlton, but then you've also got Ellen White and Ella Toon, involved and i just think that's just something you wouldn't have seen five ten years ago yeah well vis- visibility joe is the kind of point and uh, martin i'll bring you in at this point because i wouldn't mind getting a point of view from you um i think um i mean really uh, we we've got it's, it's really important isn't it to have heroes and talisman even in like in the men's game you talk about i, I think of some swindon town teams that didn't really capture my imagination um you know, over the last, say, like 20 odd years. And, and more often than not, it's because there was a kind of lack of visibility of sort of like a talisman or a hero to kind of hang your hopes on. Um, I'm going to, sorry, Martin, let's see if we can understand you're having a few issues getting on. Let's, I'll redirect that point to you, Ellis, actually, while we try and sort Martin's mic out. So, Ellis, um, I'm saying it's really important to have visibility on players, isn't it? Standing of players and talisman and things like that. The issue that I've got is I'm aware, because I've played in a football match, that I'm aware of Gypsy Vibash. I'm aware of Honor Fraser. A lot of the women's um, team, because of the marketing around it, the visibility around it, I couldn't really tell you much more about the women's team beyond those guys. You know, I I have a historic relationship with Tom Hartley. Um, So um, that helps me on a personal level. But if I'm a rank and file fan... 
and I want to kind of hang my hat on, um, you know, on, on, you know, and, and get, get involved in the women's team. One of the problems that I've got is one of visibility, right? And, and, and Joe's point there about the Lionesses in the summer and, and my point about there being so much more women's football on the telly, it, it, that's the kind of point, isn't it? At the moment, there's, there's just not the coverage of Swindon Town women, uh, you know, even on a comparable level, there is not a relative level. There is not the coverage is there at the moment and we kind of need that. No, I, I think you're spot on there. Um, like, like you said, if you haven't got the coverage of, of the games and um, and everything like that, you, you, you're never going to um, have a relationship with the players like you do in the men's game. Just simply down to the fact that um, as a fan, you're not as involved. But I think that, that that's a great... Um, a great thing that's coming from the um, Euros with the with the women is that um, is just the coverage that that's going to bring to women's football is um, and and all, all the young girls what that was watching that they they can now um, have a role model um, yep. and yeah it's, it's only it's only going to get better at the end well, of the day it's only, it's only going to get better. Well, the good news, Ellis, is you've heard it from the horse's mouth tonight that you know clearly you've got a lot of got a lot of young a lot of young ladies that are a part of Swindon Town Women's Football Club that are being encouraged from within the club to take advantage of the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge, the Low Strangers Pod, um, the Fools Rush In guys um, on the sofa with Vic. You know there are these opportunities out there for the women's club to sort of grow their pro. It's kind of really, really important that they engage with it, isn't it? I mean, look, Martin, I'll, I'll bring you in at this stage. It's a da- it's a sort of daunting prospect, isn't it? Because I guess if you're if you're a, you're a young lady, you're playing for Swindon Town Women's Football Club. You're used to playing in front of you know fifty to eighty people down in Fairford. You know suddenly there is this now this big drive to come play at the county ground, play at Foundation Park in front of you know a good few hundred of aspirations to move it into four figures. Um, it's it's kind of it, you're suddenly asking a lot of these 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 young women, aren't you? That you know that not only is it about coming and raising your game on the pitch, but it's also about essentially being able to deliver the media duties as well, isn't it? Because without that profile, you kind of struggle to capture the imagination of the fans as well. It is, yeah. And I can completely understand why, especially the younger players who have just come up from maybe under-18s football and their first season of adult women's and they're playing at a very high level, a very good level. And they, they'll be nervous. Um, completely understandable. But for women's football to grow like it deserves and for it to get more attention, these players need to be able to come out and speak when they feel comfortable in themselves. Because if, if there's a little girl who's gone to watch that game and she's interested in football, that girl talking to me, even if it's for the first time she's ever done it on media duties, that girl might become her hero. And that might be yes. her inspiration to ask her parents, can I please try playing football? She might go to a club in the local area, absolutely fall in love with it. She could be the next Ellen White. So, it, it just is something that is going to need to, these players are going to have to do, but obviously once they feel comfortable in themselves. Um, if it means that to start with, they go with maybe a more senior player who's used to media duties to get used to it, to feel more comfortable, so be it. But these young girls coming up who starting to get into football need local heroes, they need national heroes, they just need people to keep them interested in the game and someone to aspire to be. Um, yeah. So I think it's great if, if these players are going to come out and start talking. Um, Let's get the next generation involved. My nieces love playing football. 
the eldest one's 12, the youngest one's 8. The youngest one just played her first season a little team, and I'm so proud of her. Like, I love her so much. It makes me so happy that regardless of what results they do, because they're a very new team, she's just so happy to be in a team, and it just gives her something really positive. And, yeah, I think it's just going in the right direction. It's, it's a tough gig, though, Martin, isn't it? I mean, I you know, I guess just trying to play devil's advocate here, we, we've got a kind of facet of, of the beautiful game that is mushrooming enormously. And, yeah. you know, obviously we're asking our, you know, our, our young women to come out and, and be willing to talk to the, the, you know, we're willing to talk to the camera. And, you know, pe- these are young, young women that maybe haven't yeah. got lots of media experience. I wonder how they feel when they see, um, you know, sort of, you know, you know, essentially, well-respected um, sort of pundits or and otherwise um, being absolutely hammered um, for, um, you know, the odd sort of missed word here or there or, you know, a, a tongue-in-cheek joke being taken completely the wrong way. Or I wonder how they feel about how, whether that makes them more comfortable or less comfortable or more nervous or less nervous in front of the camera, worrying about saying the right things. You know, to what extent is you know, is cancel culture a problem for them, some of these young women moving forward? Because you just want them to become, be able to come out and feel authentic. I mean, yeah. I, this is a segment of the show tonight that, you know, I'm, I was worried about. Now, listen, I've been a company director for 20 years. You know, I've, I've been a serving police officer for six years. And, you know, and I, you know, I am now a, you know, a, a foster dad of a number of years with multiple yeah young women in my life now even i am coming on after seeing the likes of a grand sooness like him or loathe him you know saying something and, and it being taken out of context um you know i we we've got to such a, an extent now if you, you're in the out in the public eye you worry so much about saying the wrong thing actually you, you know you just uh, i guess what i'm trying to say is to what extent can we all just sort of like relax a little bit here and i agree and, I, I mean, it is a petrifying thought that you could work so hard to achieve something in your life which you're proud of and that you're going to try and help enhance other people's lives and help them in whatever aspect of the career you're doing. And if you make one comment, which is a slip of the tongue by accident, if you make just a mistake because we're all human, if something is taken out of context and turned around, you could lose everything over something which was there was no malice in it at all. Like me yeah. personally, I'm I'm the same as what's been said. I don't think I think what Graham Sooner said was a slip of the tongue. Like it, it wasn't the most helpful thing to say, but I don't think he did it on purpose. I don't think that was malice. So for there to be that big backlash and it's like, oh, is he going to start losing his job? Like that's someone's life, regardless of whether you like him or not. He's worked very hard for his playing career, and then after his playing career into media, and that could have all been taken away because of something he, that was said, which didn't come in the didn't come out the way he meant it to. And it's and for him, like it's a live broadcast. Like imagine one of us trying to sit in front of millions of people on a Sunday afternoon and then you've got that pressure alone, let alone, oh, if I say the wrong thing by accident, my career's gone. Like it, people just need to calm down if it's yeah. a well, really Martin, let's let's call it as it is, right? Listen, the Tom Broadbent Lounge is a live show, all right? Yeah. And so, you know, our live audience is, you know, when we're broadcasting now, like typically the scale of the audience we're talking to, by the time the show finishes, we'll have a look at it. And our recorded audience will probably be sort of three to 500 people. And then we get an enormous amount of people that then tune in to our recorded shows thereafter, right? What gets me buzzing, 
what really gets my pulse rushing as somebody that worked in media for 20 years, what I really enjoy is the pressure and it is a bit of adrenaline of broadcasting live because that you are only ever one little mistake away. <laughs> That's part of the danger. But I know in my heart of hearts, I'm a good guy, right? Yeah. I've been DBS checked up to the <laughs> So trust me, I've got the skeletons in my closet, right? But nonetheless, I, you know, there is, there is always this kind of, um, I think there's something very authentic in it, in what we do when we broadcast live. But I also think there is that certain risk that makes it exciting. But I don't know whether I'm excited by the fact that I might say something and someone may say, I mean, I may have said stuff tonight, ham-fistedly, you know, tripped over myself because I'm talking about a facet of the beautiful game that as yeah. a fan, I don't have a, um, you know, I can't sit, sit here and say, I've got a season ticket to the women's day. I know that my season ticket for Swindon Town will allow me access, but I'm, I'm 240 mile round trip away. It, it, yeah. I've got a very, very, very busy life. The notion that I can then give up even more time and spend even more petrol money to then go support the women's team on a Sunday after having been to the county ground on a Saturday, for me at the moment is a big stretch. And I yeah. worry just by making that declaration that people are going to turn around at me and say, well, the, co the comments that I made earlier about my interest to Tom and Keelan and, and Honor are insincere. I assure you, I'm very sincere in wanting the women's football team to develop. But I've only got so much time in the day. Yeah. But I guess you go, hopefully you kind of get my point here. I do. Like, I, you know, I don't think I shouldn't you even really need to justify yourself because there, there are other ways to support women's football. If you If you can't, like there's there's a cost of living crisis and okay the in the football terms going to a step five where I've been working at or a step four where Swindon are at are relatively inexpensive compared to the men's football like you're going to play what three four five pound for entry compared to twenty five but that's still extra money that's still petrol costs you might have to pay for parking somewhere there are other ways to support them you can have all the best ball in the world and want to go watch a women's team in the local area. But if you can't, then you can just like a few tweets on their social media, retweet their scores, retweet and there's a game because someone following you might then be like, oh, that's cool. I'll go watch that game. And you're still supporting it. I don't think anyone should be guilted that they can't go to a game. Like if I say to one of my friends, like, oh, the women's team I work for, they're playing at home. Do you want to come down and watch? If they were like, sorry, I can't, I don't have time. Like I've, a lot of my friends have got newborn babies, that kind of thing. I'm not going to be like, oh, you're not very supportive of women's football, are you? And then have a go at them. It's just their life is busy. They can still be, I think it's great you're working in women's football, trying to promote it. I think, I hope they do well. I hope they win that and ask how the game went after. But I don't think people should be guilted because everyone lives their lives how they want to. Everyone's got different priorities. It doesn't mean you don't like women's football. You're not going to support it. If you can't get to a game, you can still have that intention and desire, but you just physically can't do it right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, here's a question for you, Ellis. If, if as part of your season ticket holder, um, you were able to... So, for example, take me. Like I live on the London-Kent border. I promise you this. I would tune in to Swindon Town Women every single Sunday if I could stream a game live from Foundation Park. And I would go, and I'll go a step further. I would actually pay more on my season ticket in order to have that access to Swindon Town women. Now, I appreciate that doesn't mean bums on seats roaring the girls on from the from the sidelines. But I've always been of the opinion that we have a lot of out-of-towners at Swindon Town. And 
there may be a, a revenue stream where you know it's more about sort of like tapping into you know digital following as well at this stage would, would, would you tune in ellis on a, on a sunday and, it, and if not why not or if so why would you yeah for sure like at the end of the day i'm a football fan and i'm a sunday fan so ju- uh just because it's the women's team doesn't mean i i i wouldn't i wouldn't tune in but um like you said, it's um with people living out out of town. Um, I think ultimately because there's not that coverage there, people people don't have access to the games. But if you could live stream and if if you could join in and um and watch, then I think that certainly would push um the amount of people that that would watch and be interested in it. Um. Yeah, that I think that would definitely help. Well, what what about the the screening of games at the county grounds, Ellis? So, for example, you know, away games, maybe you couldn't make it, or or highlights, for example. I mean, we've you know, would you would you get into the county ground that little bit earlier on a Saturday if highlights from the women's team were being played on on a big screen in the corner of the ground, or you know, things along these lines? Like, we, again, is this is that something that? Because we there, there was conversations last year, wasn't there, about getting us into the ground earlier? And and I, I I'm always of the opinion we'll incentivise it. What? How are you going to get me in the ground and then keep me entertained at that stage? Like I'm talking, you know, concert, you know, the women's team, you know, having highlights in the Legends Lounge. There's lots of opportunities, Ellis, isn't there? To use technology to get people engaged. Yeah, of course. And uh, and you know, I would, I would like to see the main the the main Swindon uh, Twitter account retweet and posting about it. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, on Twitter, I don't really see much about it. But I think if, as as a fan base as a whole, if if we all got exposed to it a little bit more, um, the interest would be there. And um, yeah, for sure, you, I think you'd see a lot more people taking interest in it and, and wanting to watch it. All right. Well, look, we'll part we'll part Swindon Town women um, for this evening. We've um, it's a fascinating conversation. Like I said, it's it, it's good to you know it's 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 good to lift the lid on some of the more uncomfortable areas of conversation um, around the women's game um, and feel that you know we can talk we can all talk comfortably about that. I think from from that perspective, if we can get to a stage where you know everyone can talk in comfort and everyone can be comfortable with their views being challenged. Uh, as a way of educating people that can only be a positive thing so yeah thank you to everyone that engaged with with that on a really really mature level um, and well, can i just have one thing sorry mate yeah of course you can um just on obviously sticking with the women's team for for a quick second obviously the the women's team wear a different kit don't they and obviously they've got different printing on their shirts and different um sleeve patches yep what about getting obviously the, the women's kit and the the printing into the club shop just so you also you can see Young girls or, or boys on the terrace wearing the women's kits. Um, yep. I know that the, the women's kits, the Euros, the England kits were absolutely mental. In fact, I've yep. got a mate of mine that collects shirts and he bought all three. Um, yep. It's just, yeah, food for thought. I know that the, the shop is the is a, a questionable area at the minute, just sort of demand and supply, but something to think about. I, I think Joe, I think there's so much that can be done you know, with, with merch. I think, you know, ideally you want to get to a stage where you've got a uniform sponsor, you know, both in terms yeah. of the 
the kit, technical kit supplier. So, for example, Puma are obviously supplying all the kits across. Mm-hmm. That's great that you've got that uniformity. Ideally, you want to get to a stage where you've got a principal sports, you know, partner of the football club that is, you know, partnering across all the shirts, and then you've got that uniformity. What I'd love to see is, um, you know, the um, I, I would love to see sort of set pieces around around sort of kit releases. For example. We release a, a third kit to much fanfare, whether that be a blackout kit, this, that, and the other. I would love us to see a, you know, a, a release of a women's kit that's got a really, really interesting twist on our history or our, you know, our various colorways that we've had over the years to give me another reason to go and buy a shirt. I, I, I'm not going to have an issue. I'm not going to have an issue whatsoever buying a shirt, whether it's Swindon Town Women's Football Club or Swindon Town. At the end you buy it for the badge, don't you? You buy it for the badge. But Thank you very when, much. When you buy, when you uh, release the kit, the amount of Sort of advertising of whether or not it's the even the academy or the youth team. I know the youth team have got a different sponsor to the to the first team, um, but it, like I say it's just you can push a kit so far on so many different channels of social media. It's just a way to reach different people. Um, and let's face it, you're a football fan. You're going to love a kit. Hey, listen, yeah, listen. As, look, as an individual that championed the Saturn Broadbent Lounge, you know, releasing four Hummel kits this season, Joe, you are speaking to the converted. Like, I will literally buy polyester. I've got a problem with that. Um, you know, like I said, for for me, it's a, it's a it's a big opportunity. I think one of the one of the problems that we've got is realistically at the moment we're a League Two football club. Um, the the commercial appeal um, and the sort of level of budget that we that we are attracting in terms of sponsors is that, and this is someone coming from somebody that worked in in national press within football, um, sorry that worked in um, on a national level within football and engaged with pretty much everyone that is anyone that was involved in football on a sponsorship level between the years of sort of two thousand right the way through until um, two thousand sixteen. All right, mm-hmm. now I. I can tell you for a fact what we if we push ourselves back up into League One, the upper echelons of League One into the championship, then it's far more likely that we're gonna have a uniform partner that is putting enough money into Swindon Town to to justify being involved across the whole kit and caboodle. Um it's it's you know, that that's the reality of, of football sponsorship at lower levels at the moment. But hey listen, I'm I'm sure we I'm sure we'll get there. But it's a great point. I mean it's a great point, Joe. Yeah, sorry, mate. Listen, no, 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 not at all. So, listen, um, let's let's move back to we move back onto um, uh, events around the men's team and and Saturday. Obviously, we've already talked about um, Stockport a little bit with with Charlie, with Tom, and so forth earlier in the show. Um, what? How we? How are we feeling? We've used the term. I think Charlie. I kind of paraphrased it, but Charlie's called Saturday in Stockport County a, a banana skin. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you, Joe. What? What, what's your take on it going up there? Because it's it, it's another one of those fixtures where kind of Saturday's results not done a lot in terms of blowing everyone's um, sort of you know confidence meters uh, back into the green. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you're probably right. But at the end of the day, I think we've probably played fairly well, at least in patches in every game this season. I've known Harrogate. Um, I think in terms of the squad, obviously, we're going to miss Harry. I know we're going to talk about Harry uh, later in the show. Maybe, hopefully, if possible, maybe get another striker in. I'm not completely sold on Tommy yet. I want to be. I, I want to be on the Adeloy bus and, you know, sailing away. But 
I don't know. I, I just, yeah. We've got Jakey Wakey, I guess, and maybe our boy Ronan can, can join him up top. So, yeah, I, I think we played well. It's just adding that finishing touch and just seeing games out at the minute. In terms of stock, Stockport, I mean, they, I think they got like 10,000 fans, didn't they, the first game of the season? Um, they've got a good back in. It's a half decent ground. It's a hard away ground to go to because it's so close. Well, it's Joe, kind of Loftus Road. Joe, listen, at, this, at this point, we're going to thank Gabs for doing some homework for us. So Gabs has done a, a little <laughs> stat attack for us. Uh, Gabs Benoni, who's uh, usually on the Tom Broadbent, now one of our regulars. And, and Gabs has said, right, here's some facts for you about Stockport. So in 23 home matches since October 2021, Stockport have only lost twice. So we talk about banana skin for very, very good reason. Now, I appreciate it's lies, lies and uh, damn lies and statistics. Um, their average crowd is 7,000. So not a million miles off of, um, you know, a um, uh, Swindon town of yesteryear. They usually line up in a 3-5-2, but at home they occasionally switch to a 3-4-2-1. And their key men are Sarsovic and Madden. Um Obviously, both. I mean, of them, they're not bad, are they? Yeah, they're, they're, that is a fair pairing. Let's be let's be clear. Their xG this season's 0.56, 0.19, and 1.54, uh, where they won one nil. 0.48, 1.29, where they lost three two. They do tend to dominate possession at home but not as much away. So, yes, typical for the level. Not, I mean, actually, it's interesting, isn't it? Not a million miles away from the comments that we were making about um, about Rochdale um, on um, uh, on Saturday before they came to the county ground, a team that get hold of the ball and managed to keep hold of it. But, yeah. I mean, look, uh, Ellis, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you in, Ellis, at this point. Uh, so we, we had this conversation before Rochdale on Saturday. Let's let's call this as it is. Stockport can have all the money in the world, but at the end of the day, they're Stockport County. We're Swindon Town. I don't mean to be snobby, but should we really be going up to Stockport County concerned about the fact that we are playing Stockport County? We are Swindon Town, for goodness sake. I mean, if you get my meaning, we've got a better record in the league than them this season. They've only got one win. Um, you know, we've got the one win. We've got the we've got the three draws behind us. We you know we're undefeated since since Harrogate. I mean, should we really be that worried about Stockport, Ellis? Are you that worried? Um, no, I'm not worried. And I don't think you should be worried about the team that you're coming up against. I think you should just be worried about your team. Um, and we, we've sort of got to look at how we're going to play. Um, and that, that that's one point that I did like about um, Saturday's game is... Um, Scott Lindsay obviously looked at the side that we were coming up against and adapted the team to uh to suit with uh Ronan Darcy playing right back and sort of pushing forward and and stuff like that. Um so we might see aspects of that in um in against Stockport. So to answer your question, no I'm not worried. Um and yeah. Yeah, all right. No, I'll, t- I'll take that, Martin. How do you? So going into going into Stockport at, at the you know away from home. I mean, like I said, we've talked about Madden, we've talked about Sarsovic, two very good players. Yeah, good enough to be forcing us back into kind of five at the back. <laughs> or again, should we just be learning lessons from from Rochdale on Saturday, sticking with what we've got 
and, and, and giving them something to worry about, making them react to us as opposed to the other way around. Because, again, let's be honest, it's, it's Madden and Sarsovich. You go, go for all our feet. I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you, Sarsovich, and I'll raise you a Louis Reed. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll take. I'll take you, Madden. You know, and I'll raise you a Jakey Wakelin. So, if you get my meaning, like I'm not. Yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd rather we just stuck to what we did on Saturday. I don't want us to change it because we're worried about Stockport. I want us to build on what we did on Saturday because there was clear signs of improvement. And yes, as we've said a million times before. It's Rochdale. They're having a terrible time. But there are still clear and obvious signs of improvement. If you haven't won a game yet, no matter who you play, if you win, it's going to build your confidence up. So I think don't change anything for the sake of Stockport unless we get an obvious injury or anything. I think make them worry about us. Make them see that we played really well on Saturday, especially second half. So let them worry about us and change their tactics into their shape to suit us. Yeah. I'm just going to build on that a little bit. I mentioned this at the start of the show. I think what was really interesting was that obviously Jake Wakeling got a lot of plaudits um, for his performance against Rochdale. But what got me really, really excited about Saturday, I've been talking about the emergence of relationships on the pitch and patterns of play, you know, and, and, and giving the new boys chance to settle in. What got me really excited on Saturday was obviously Ronan Darcy was a was a, a bit of a crackerjack moment because I don't think any of us would have anticipated Ronan Darcy playing at right back and then playing as well as he did at right back. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding, bar a couple of a couple of um, uh, a couple of moments where there were balls over the top and you could see his positioning was a little bit off. Um, but at the same time, he offered so much going forward. I thought Saidu Khan was, um, certainly I felt that Saturday was his best game in the Swindon shirt. Um, delicious through ball, um, contributing to uh, Johnny Williams' goal. Um, I thought Angus McDonald was a real rock at the back. I thought Sol Brin dealt with anything that came into the box. Sol Brin was really calm, reassured. Um, I thought um, uh, Fraser Blake Tracy was outstanding on the left left hand side of defence. So, and and I mentioned Tom Clayton earlier as well. So there was a again, you can only beat what's in front of you, but that's not going to have done any of those. I mean, the new boys were all impressive, weren't they? And it's going to have done their confidence yeah. the world good going in the stop. Massively, confidence is such a huge part of football. You always play your best if you're feeling good in yourself. The psychological corner for me is just massive it's the one I like to focus on most when I'm coaching um the players that I do because I just believe if you walk out into that pitch no matter what level you play at feeling like the best player in the world it's mm. going to do every other corner that is part of the FA model is going to be unlocked and you're going to perform better um so I think there are only positives to come out from Saturday there's a few learning points like I said Darcy a couple of times out of position when we lost the ball and we had to then start defending but I think confidence should be sky high for those players, especially the younger ones, because they really are putting in performance and they're, they're starting to do it week in, week out. Now they're getting better every game, so they should be feeling so good about themselves. Joe, Joe I'll bring you in because, we again, we talked about this briefly at the start of the show. And yep. there's been some this week about, you know, some people have talked about the real nerves that they experience where Rochdale, quote, you know, cuts open and, and you know, it exposed frailties at the back. I mean, for me, it's real hyperbole in that respect. Two teams, 11 v 11, like you would expect both teams are going to get their chances, right? Um, particularly when, against the side like ours, where we're still kind of bedding in. For me, I don't think that, and I'm, I'm not trying to feed you an answer here, right? But I just got to get this out of my head. 
for me, Saturday was, I don't think we gave them so many chances and in such a fashion that I was particularly bothered about the chances that Rochdale carved out. I thought that actually Rochdale, Rochdale's chances were carved out for some half-decent football and they, they deserved those chances. Um, and it was also reflective of what Scott Lindsay was saying about Rochdale being all right with the ball. Was there anything that you saw about those chances, Joe, that gives you real nerves going into the Stockport game? Like, are, you, are you really concerned? No, not at all, really. As I say, I said earlier on the show that obviously I didn't watch the game live. Um, I've just seen the sort of key highlights. But I saw two chances in the first half where there was there was a good sort of 15, 20 passes involved in the build-up for those chances. Um, there was nothing that, like catastrophic from us where I thought, blimey, we're, we're lucky we've got off there. Um, and sort of to that fact as well, adding to that fact... You know, we had five or six chances where we could have scored more goals. It could have been a five nil, six nil, could have been a six one, could have been a six two. Like honestly, there were chances that went amiss from both sides. We were just clinical in our in our prolonged attacks, I guess, or yeah. or, or not so prolonged attacks for our first goal. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, there's nothing that worries me. Obviously, there'll be a big crowd. It's a tight, it's a tight stadium. It's a close pitch. Um, They've got a decent side. Probably, if you're going to be harsh and an ageing side, um, I'm not too sure how how sort of much ground that stands these days because, you know, football and, and sports science has come on to a point now where a 30-year-old is probably the age of a 25-year-old 10 years ago in yeah. terms of footballing ability and capability. Yeah, so, let's, let's let's call it. You're you're talking about Paddy Madden primarily there, aren't you? Like yeah. Madden, Madden Madden is a wasp. He's a goal threat. He's aggressive. And he's, let's be honest. If you if you offered us Paddy Madden at Swindon this year, you'd probably not say no. Oh, he's just one of those players. Yeah, he's a little bit. He's got the McCurdy factor, isn't he? He's yeah. like if he's if he's not in your side, you love to hate him. If he's in your side, you you know you love the lad. Um, I like I, I like his aggression. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that he's got that fire in his belly. Um, he's he's not somebody I I enjoy facing um, from from the opposition. Um, no, I mean, if, if I'm listening to you there, you've essentially just described Jake Wakelin. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're probably right. But at least with Jake Wakelin, you know that he's got a few more seasons in his tank, and he's got, he's going to have a resale value, hopefully, of seven figures by the time he's finished doing what he's doing at Swindon Town. Honestly, give him a four year deal now. Yeah, well, listen, listen. Uh, we'll we'll come on to that. Well, we've had a um, we've had a message here from um, oh, Ellis. Ellis, have a word, mate. This chancer, this Barry Holloway chancer. Yeah, uh, but, 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 but but Barry nonetheless makes a very interesting point. He says Darcy on Saturday organising and motivating other players and hyping up the crowd is good to see from a young lad. I mean, I think that's that's the other thing, isn't it? He's um he's we we've got some characters in this squad, haven't we? You know, we we've got some lads that I think. They, they, they've got good pedigree. They're confident in their own abilities. And I think we're starting to actually, as they're bedded in, I think we're starting to see a little bit of that characteristic come to the fore. But so we, what football fan doesn't like, uh, I mean, Martin, I'll put this to you, like what, what football fan doesn't like a player kind of like hyping up the crowd? We saw it with Jakey, didn't we, against Salford, you know, when we were down at 10 men and he's rattling the town end, like, he's, you know, he's getting into us, he's urging us on. If, if anything... I think we need a lot more of that from players at Swindon Town because I think our, our stands can go quiet very, very quickly. I think if any of the first-team lads were listening tonight, I'd be saying to them, look, more of that. 
like get into the crowd because we respond well to being called out, Martin, don't we? Is Richie oh, Wellens absolutely? Proof. Yeah, I was going to say Richie Wellens is the prime example. He called us all out, said the atmosphere was a bit too flat, and then everyone responded, and it just brought us closer together to the players, the staff as a club. I don't really want to say his name, but I remember when Jed McCrory and he took over, and it was Jed, the atmosphere. Get... Famous rule. Yeah, that guy, the guy who would DM fans on Twitter some abuse. Um, he basically, when Kev McDonald took over, the atmosphere was getting really flat and he came out and he, I, I don't want to give him credit, but he called us all out and said, look, the atmosphere has not been good. And then the next game he played, everyone was applauding, cheering every single positive thing our players did. We won the game and it was a bit of a turning point getting us over the line into the playoffs. I've never once seen any player or person from a club come out and go up to the fans try and hype us up and everyone just go oh piss off we're not in the mood for you everyone yeah. always reacts to it so well, i want to see more of McCurdy last year was another great example of that wasn't it you know McCurdy yeah. called us out last year and we got an immediate response from there absolutely it needs to happen if the players don't feel like they're getting i know it, it works both ways them performing well motivates us as fans us as fans making noise being energetic motivates them but sometimes we do need to be called out on it by the players. If they feel like we need to give more, fair enough, that's your opinion. You can come out and say it. You shouldn't get harassed for that. You might get one or two saying, well, play better then. But ultimately, we will respond to it. And if a few people in the ground start responding to it, people around them will, and it just starts to spread and spread. And it's it's only a positive thing for me. Now, listen, in terms of responding to it, we've got a really interesting response from Swindon Women's Football Club to a tweet from John Saunders. So um, just to take us back a step to our previous segment, but John was asking, do, do we get in for free for the women's games with a season ticket? To which the Women's Football Club have responded, unfortunately not. However, if you're a member of Trust STFC or the official supporters club, then you do. So uh, just to be clear, John Saunders said... Do we get in to watch Swindon Town Women's Football Club for free with a season ticket? And the women's club have responded, unfortunately not. However, if you are a member of Trust STFC or the official supporters club, then you do. So if ever there was a reason for you to renew your official supporters club membership or your trust membership at the moment and you haven't, there's a really good example if you have an interest in attending uh, Swindon Town Women's Football Club. So if you're already a season ticket holder, get your memberships renewed for those. If you're contemplating reasons why you want to do it, there's a pretty bloody big reason to be doing it. Well, look, I guess, um, so just we'll round off the Stockport County preview by just sort of like getting some very, very top line um, uh, predictions from you guys. Joe, um, top line prediction from you for Saturday, Stockport away. What are you going with? Uh, I'll go 2-0 town, uh, Wakelin and a Ronan Darcy special. Oh, I like the sound of a Ronan Darcy special. Martin, how about you, buddy? What are you thinking for Saturday? Um... Gonna say one all, and I don't not because I'm a pessimist, but purely because I think, as we'll talk about a bit later on, the suspension and the change of the front line, I think there might be a little bit of difficulty scoring goals, and I think we're still a little bit frail at the back at times. So I think one all, and I'd be happy going somewhere like that and getting a point. Well, we're after the watershed, Martin, and to quote Harry McCurdy, you sound like a pussy geezer. Uh, Ellis, <laughs> I Ellis am, Hannes, I am. <laughs> Ellis Holloway, what are you saying for Saturday? I'm going the total opposite of that, and I'll be disappointed if it's anything under 3-0 for Swindon. Oh, 
three nil away day. Three nil again. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that certainly makes me two hundred pound uh, train ticket up from London more bearable. If you've ended up being <laughs> smash free in away from home, I'll um I'm going to go with a an edgy two one that is reminiscent of Sutton United last year, where we looked really, really comfortable. They score, and it all gets a little bit edgy. But look, we'll park, we'll stop, we'll park Stockport County. We'll move on to um, the ongoing striker chase. So, um, Tyree Simpson heavily linked to Swindon Town um, over the last few weeks, mainly because every single Swindon Town with uh, in their right mind, every single Swindon Town fan in their right mind has been clamouring for the return of Tyree Simpson and laughing at the kind of sums of money that Ipswich claim to be requesting for Tyrese. And then lo and behold, the £600,000 fee that Ipswich have been demanding for Tyrese, it appears Huddersfield have stumped up the readies and appear to be willing to take our former loanee um, to uh, the Gal Farm Stadium um, uh, before the end of the transfer window. Um, According to journalist Ryan Whelan, um, he stated, Ryan Whelan has stated that Swindon Town are indeed now back to square one in the striker chase. Now, Scott Lindsay's come out this week and said there are a number of strikers on the Swindon Town radar. That it is a priority getting one of them through the door and that their background checks continue. There was me talking about DBS checks last week, but it's good to see that the football club are, um, are, are, are dipping into um, you know character checks and things like that, making sure they're getting the right characters through the door. Um, I guess, um, who wants to chip in on this? Ellis, I'll get your, your point of view, really. Um, Ty, Tyree Simpson... Five to six hundred thousand pounds to Huddersfield. I mean, obviously, Kane Kessler Hayden's gone there. They were they were good friends last year, weren't they? They attended the uh, Swindon Warsaw game together um, uh, the, the, uh, towards the end of last season uh, in our um, our push for automatic promotion. Um, I, I, I was surprised to see that Huddersfield had stumped up a um, you know that that sort of level of bid, but. I mean, it's it would be it'd be a real shame, wouldn't it? I think for for Tyrese to to go there, there seems to be a suggestion that Tyrese that he's pretty confident that he'll be playing first team football. But I mean, the, the lad's hardly kicked the ball for six months. Is he really going to go there and, and and be slotting straight in and around their first team? No, I don't. I I don't think he will be. Like you said, he hasn't played for um, six months. So. Uh, it, it it would be great to see him back in the town shirt. Um even even if that's on loan from Huddersfield. Um but yeah, I'd love to see him come back for sure. I mean I I'm I'm in I'm in mixed minds about it, to be honest with you, Ellis. Um I, I don't know whether I would want to see uh Tyrese come back for us to essentially polish him up to then send him back to Huddersfield. I think I would prefer to see us sort of, you know, change our targets and 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 start focusing more on bringing, uh, you know, permanent entities into the county grant if they're available. But they've talked about, I mean, Martin, uh, the, the gaffers talked this week, hasn't it, about slim markets, you know, or lean markets. I'm trying to remember the correct vernacular for it, but it, it doesn't seem. Whilst he's saying there are a number of targets that they're looking at, it doesn't seem like we are um, are, are are blessed with um, with with choice. Uh, presently, so does that would that would in your mind would you take Tyree Simpson if you were offered him on loan versus someone from this kind of like slim market that's out there? I definitely would because I feel like this the the, the first half of the season he was with us, his development and improved drastically. He really proved that he can do it at that level. I think for his own personal development, 
half a season or so in League Two again would do him no harm. I understand your point that you wouldn't want us to polish him up again, get him back to where he was, and he leaves. But ultimately, we we do lack a big physical presence up front. We like his pace, his finishing. I would love to see him back. I don't think it will happen. I can't imagine if he goes to Huddersfield that they'll loan him back to us. I think they're more likely to send him to maybe a League One club because they might think he's already proved himself at League Two and he's ready for that next step. But yeah. ultimately, the way he's been treated, he's a young man, and I just hope it works out well for him. He can still have a really good career because I think he was treated disgustingly. Um, so removing my Swindon hat. I think absolutely. I just, I just hope wherever he ends up, it just goes really well for him, and he can, he can have that career he deserves. I, I think this is the thing. Yeah, I mean, you've, it, it, you look at it pragmatically. Pragmatically, if he goes to Huddersfield, you know, it, it it's not like we've got, a, you know, all right, okay. So we, we've, we've kind of helped out a bit with Romney Critchlow and Matt, perhaps more successfully with Romani Edmonds Green, but it, uh, you know, it's. It, it's not like we're any kind of sort of feeder club, for want of a better word. You know, it's not like no. we're getting all their all their youngsters coming down to coming down to the countryground. We've got an all right record, but I mean, you know, if they, if they really really want to develop an asset, can I mean, is it realistic that you could see them sort of spend half a million quid on a player and then risk sticking him into League Two, where he's already proved himself, and the risk of picking up an injury in League Two? I mean, it it just doesn't. I don't know. It it doesn't sort of seem to make an awful lot of sense to me. No, uh, to spend six hundred grand on a player to then just send him on loan to League Two doesn't make a lot of sense. If they offered him maybe a five year contract and they just have absolute belief in him, then yeah. maybe at a stretch you could. But yeah. just who who spends six hundred grand on a player and then sends him to League Two? You clearly believe there's a lot of talent in there, so you're going to put them in a more technical division like League One. Yeah. The thing is, if you look at their squad as well, they've got sort of two forward players as it is. That's it in the entire squad, first team. Mm. They've got Jordan Rhodes up front and then Danny Ward, who's not really a forward player. He's a winger. He's not He's not a centre-forward by any stretch. So they are crying out for a centre-forward for a number nine. Yeah, it's a big step for Tyrese though, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, yeah, and, and bearing in mind, I'm one of Tyrese's biggest fans, but it's a big gamble, you know, to go from, you know, having, I mean, he would have gone on to score 20 goals for us. The reality is he didn't, all right? He played half a season for us and then spent the rest of the season sat in the stiffs at, at Ipswich through, through no other reason than Ipswich, you know, wanted to wanted to stick him there, right? So to, to then go from, from there straight into, you know, the championship mix, with Huddersfield, I mean, you know, their expectations, their fans' expectations are going to be so much higher, aren't they? So, so, so much higher. Um, I just want to um, uh, just want to pick up on a uh, tweet that we've just got from Dan here. So uh, Dan's digging us out a little bit here, boys. He's saying, how can you say we don't have a physical striker when we have Adeloy, six foot two and massive, who's only started the Harrogate game, which was a write-off for anyone, uh, for everyone, and a cup game with the kids? Crazy how people have written him off already. Give the lad a chance. FFS. Now, listen, Dan, I'm with you, mate. Let me let me tell you this. I am. Um, I don't mind telling you, and I'm sure Tommy won't mind telling me telling you guys this either. Spend some time with um, Tommy in passing, purely casually, not an official media gig. Um, we just got chatting after the game, and the thing that really, really impressed me about Tommy Adeloy when I was talking to him was he's got a real kind of steely confidence about him. Um, 
you know, I, I talked to him about his, you know, his key attributes and his, and his finishing. I said, obviously, look, you know, as fans, we're not idiots. We watch you in the, you know, your finishing drills. You're absolutely deadly. Like, you very rarely miss the target. Talked about finishing, obviously, as you would hope for a striker, being one of his key attributes. Uh, he is completely, completely certain that if he gets a chance and he gets his first goal away, that he'll get on a streak. So... I mean, Dan, I've, for what it's worth, I've been saying, as the boys will hopefully tell you, both off-air and on-air on our match day coverage, I've been a big, big champion of Tommy Adeloy as a, as a number nine with McCurdy and Wakelin playing off him. It's something that I would love to see. I would love to see. However, to, to your point, Dan, it's not just us. When I wouldn't necessarily say that we are... It's not like we're writing Adeloy off. I think it's just the fact that the club themselves have come out. I mean, boys, correct me if I'm wrong, but the club have come out themselves and said, look, they want another another big striker in that kind of number nine mould. And and if they're in the market for one, um, you know, look no further than, than than Tyree Simpson, you know, mainly because he'll hit the ground running. The fans love him. He knows knows the club. He's, he's already got a, a relationship with Harry McCurdy, having sort of formed a partnership that would, on, would have gone on to score 40 goals together. So, um, but you get Dan's point, lads, don't you? I don't know who wants to follow up on that. Marty, maybe that's... Uh, yeah, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. But ultimately, last season, for me, our biggest downfall was we had Simpson, a big physical striker, but only him, pretty much. And then he left. We got Davidson. A sim- like, not completely the same, but a similar type of player. Yeah. We need at least two people. So, yes, Adeloy can be that guy. He does deserve his chance. I agree with you there, Dan. But ultimately, we need at least one more because if we're going to play that style of football where we need that big, strong physical presence, we can't just rely on one guy because if he's out of form, if he's if he gets injured, then what do we have? We need that second option. And if the club want another striker, then I think if we're just going to talk about who can come in, I would love to have Simpson back. And But yes, ultimately, Adloyd does deserve his chance because he hasn't really had one yet. Yeah, sorry, Ellis, you were, you were going to chip in on that as well. Yeah, um, what I was going to say was, I, I, I as a club, I don't think we should be getting too um, focused on trying to get Simpson in because it's seeming more and more likely that we won't. And if we're putting all our eggs in that basket, are we looking elsewhere and, you know, could that hinder us finding another striker? And like Dan said, I do think Adeloy deserves deserves a chance and maybe um, Stockport could be the game to start him. I, I'll tell you what, Ellis, it's, it's, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story this week. I um, I actually found it very, very difficult going out this week when I was put on the spot and asked to identify an alternative striker than Tyree Simpson because of the nature of where we're at in the league, the kind of player that we are going to attract. And so, for example, I cast my mind back. Now, this this will make me feel... God, this will make, make you think I'm really, really, really old now. <laughs> I, 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 cast, I cast my mind back to... Yeah, when I first started supporting the club, you know, we were, uh, you know, we, we'd settled in well into the championship. You know, we were challenging the top end of the championship and we would regularly go and nick Reading's best players off them. And I can tell you stories of, um, you know, for example, I just uh, try and pluck a great example. Craig Maskell 
who went on to score for us at Wembley in 1993. It was almost one of them. Like we just went, yeah, like we just go Danny M4 and Nick, like one of their best <laughs> players. But it was, it was there were there were obvious places where you would go. You could imagine town spending a couple of hundred grand here or a couple of hundred grand there. And those days have obviously, sadly for us, come and gone. Despite the fact that football's never been richer, it would appear that you know we've never been more frugal in the transfer market and you know, for all the right reasons that I think most of us have, have identified. But I had a real job sort of identifying those targets because fundamentally, you know, if we, I don't know a huge amount about the under 23 um, pool um, of Premier League and, and Championship clubs. Um, and if you start looking down the leagues and you start looking at players that are scoring goals from you know, obviously, if you've got a player that's banging the goals in in the championship, he's not going to drop down to League Two. If you've got a player that's scoring goals or maybe scored lots of goals last season in League One, but maybe is is coming back from injury, then you might start thinking about, oh, I can imagine getting him on loan, but are we, are we going to get him permanently? Uh, are we going to get another League Two club selling us their prime asset for anything other than a King's Ransom? No, probably not. So it actually gets really bloody difficult and quite demoralising trying to identify another number nine. So I think that's why we kind of default to Tyree Simpson, because it's kind of what we know, right? Yeah, and and like you said, if you try and name a striker, you, you your first thought is Simpson, and you, you're modelling a player off him. And you look at Adeloy, he's a tall, six-foot-two, number nine. Um so I, w- I would like to see him start and you know make, give him one or two games and and then and then we can criticize him but I don't think we've seen enough of him yet to dismiss him or or say he's the next big thing because we haven't seen enough of him all right well I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch a couple of, I'm gonna pitch a couple of names at you then particularly um off the back of the next topic topic of conversation but um I'm gonna mention two names and those names are Oscar Massey and Harry Parsons. Yes. Now, there are going to be some, some, some people are going to be sat there now going, oh, I'm burying their head into their hands, and I'm just going <laughs> to imagine the mountain of tweets that I'm going to get because I've had it all before, you know, ruining him and this, that, and the other. Now, I'll tell you this for nothing. There are, there are people um, that work on the coaching staff at Swindon Town Football Club, like Lee Peacock as a prime example. Lee has spoken in glowing terms about the prospect that is Harry Parsons. Yeah. And I think Harry Parsons is one of those players that as soon as he scores his first senior Swindon goal, he, it'll be like a shark smelling blood. Mm. Um, and once he gets one, it'll be an albatross from around his neck. So <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I guess here's the point I was going to make. We got Crystal Palace next week. Crystal Palace under 23s. Yeah. Um, Massey, Parsons, if they're amongst the goals against the 23s, are we, and... And actually, they look the part. Do you think we're still going to be clamouring for that number nine when we've already got those boys through the door? Well, that's a great question. Um, Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Are, are are they ready for for that step up? I mean, um, was was Tyree Simpson ready for that step up last? Well, season? There, there you go. There you go. Um, I guess the answer to that is you don't know unless you try, and I think. Crystal Palace under twenty three is 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 a great game to give them a run out and and see how they perform. Ellis, um, Ellis, let me let me butt in here, and I'm going to bring Martin in from a coaching point of view, right? So, Martin, the 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 thing that Tyrese got 
last season, and you'll remember this, isn't it funny how we all love Tyree Simpson now? Because there was a period last season where we weren't loving Tyree Simpson as a, yeah. as a collective. Now, I'm not going to talk about individual fans, but just generally, Tyrese was described as being very raw. Um, you know, his flaws were highlighted more often than not on BBC Radio, Wiltshire, through fans, phone-ins, you know, texts, tweets at the end of games, people digging him out, saying he's short here, he's short there. The kind, similar kind of patter to what we get now about Harry Parsons. Are we better off not just giving Harry the run in the team that Tyrese enjoyed last season and going, look, we know there's a player in there. People that know more about football than me on our coaching staff know there's a player in there. And just saying to Harry, you're going to get that run in the team, lad. Go get them. You know, you you went to Chippenham, you scored a bunch of goals. Everyone was saying you were quality. You know, we're not that far away from Chippenham as a standard. Just get out there, lad. You're going to get a run of games. Because guess what? Not only have we got the issue where, you know, we need a number nine, but we're also going to be missing Harry McCurdy for three games. So are we better not better off just giving Harry Parsons his opportunity? I have no problem with it. I think, again, he's he's still so young. There's still so much development in there. Like like that was to be said about Simpson too when he joined. There's no harm in giving him that go. If if when he comes on, people actually realise, look, this guy's young. Let's maybe support him, give him that confidence boost that we're behind him. I said earlier that that psychological corner of his player profile will unlock, and then you'll start to see better performances. Mm. He won't shy away from tackles. He will. He'll be demanding that ball. He'll be playing with confidence. Yeah. Um. I don't see a problem with it at all. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But unless he's actually put in that situation, you're never gonna know if he's gonna succeed or not at this level or beyond. And Time is massively on his side. So yeah. I don't see a problem with it at all. And like I said, people that know more about football than me at our football club really, really rate him. Now, I, I just want, I, I, I want... He's one of our own, right? I just think we yeah. give him opportunity based on those two, you know. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to take you to... So we've received... Got, got a brilliant tweet here from Toby Cook. Good evening, Toby, by the way. But Toby, Toby kind of nails it. I would say that this would be the insurance policy. Toby's saying, do you think this small market maybe a struggle to get anything now. Is it getting this late in the window now where loans are the best option for the best quality this season? Well, like I said, it kind of, me personally, I think that we've got a couple of really interesting players on our books already. Young players, um, not a million miles off of what Tyree Simpson's age was, appreciate different physical attributes. But I think, you know what, if it doesn't work out, then let's, let's lean into the loan market as our as our as our fullback option because I'm you know it's an interesting it's an interesting one. I mean Dan Dan's also tweeted us again because Dan's talking about Dan's saying I think we should have gone after Baker Richardson who didn't renew his contract with Newport. He had a great relationship, big man, little man, uh, with Dom Telford last season, allowing him to score so many. And he can play good football. We've seen a crew where he's doing really well now. Well, yeah, listen, I mean Dan, I, I, the thing is I trust um, you know, I've been, we're lucky enough, we've been be- invited behind the scenes. I've had a lovely opportunity to um, talk to Scott Lindsay, talk to Jamie Day, talk to Sandro. Um, they've all been on our show, as you know. Um, they've all spoken to us both on and off the record about the levels that they go to in terms of drilling into people's characters to make sure they get the right kind of character for Swindon Town. I trust them that if, if actually, if Baker Richardson was a doable deal, I trust them enough to think, well, the reason he's not here is either we couldn't afford him or he just wasn't the right kind of character. Fundamentally, we're never going to know, are we? But I do trust 
the management enough based on conversations that I've had with them uh, to feel comfortable enough saying that on air. Um, so, yeah, it's it, listen, it's an interesting one. Look, we'll, we'll park... We'll park Tyree Simpson because obviously his strike partner from last season is quite a big story that's broke this this week where Harry McCurdy's been hit with an additional um, uh, football league charge. Um, one match ban's already been served, already been served. Obviously, he sat out the Warsaw Cup game um, and it's since now been um, um, revealed that Harry McCurdy has been charged with entering the referee's room. Uh, throwing a beverage across the room, say an energy drink or a protein shake, and causing damage to the referee's clothing um, following his um, red card against Salford. I mean, gosh, where do we start here? Look, Joe, I'll bring you back in at this stage. Um, I don't think there was an individual in the county grounds um, on that day that wasn't infuriated by the refereeing uh, performance that we saw that day, one of the most excruciating and irritating refereeing performances I've had the displeasure of watching, but doesn't really give Harry much leeway or, you know, certainly I don't think we're ever going to be able to excuse him walking into the referee's room and causing damage to his clothing, are we? No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's his, it's his profession at the end of the day. You don't go in the office and, have a have a shit day at work and throw you a cup of tea at the wall or throw you a cup of tea at the manager's desk, do you? Like, it's, it's one of those things. He's got to try and, as much as he can, just keep a level head. Um, I mean, the boys in the town end, uh, and, well, all three sides of, of the ground were giving the referee as much abuse and, you know, dogs as, as we could. It was it was shocking. It was, it was a poor referee performance. It was clear to see that he couldn't wait to get that red card out, and I can see why Harry was frustrated. Um, but he can't be—he can't be doing what he did. If if I had a protein shake to hand, Hannah's, I'd have thrown it at a referee for him just to save him. <laughs> but it, yeah, he can't be doing that. It's—he's in a professional environment, and he's got to learn to to act that way as best as he can. I think, really, Joe, like he's got to kind of let. It's almost got to rely on the fans to sort of, you know, air that level of displeasure. If there's one thing 100%. that I, I know it's difficult and everyone's going to be, a, you know, there's going to be a large chunk of our fan base that's going to, you know, be great apologists for Harry because he is a he is a maverick and he is entertaining. It's what we go to football for, to be entertained. And when he's on song, he's an absolute joy to watch, right? The boy's but a cult hero. I don't, yeah, an absolute cult hero, right? But by the same token... Um, you know, you you would like to think that he's got enough between his ears that he would know, well, I'm not going to... No referee is going to change his decision because I'm getting in his ear. It's just going to hasten his reaching into his pocket and producing a yellow and producing a red, particularly this year where there's a big clamp down on dissent. Now, I know we're talking about players in the moment. And it's an emotional game and all the rest of it. Um, you know, but, you know, we're there for a reason, right? The, the, you know, the, the, the fans are that we can create enough racket um, that you know that we can get into people's you know we can we you know we can we can have it aired exactly how we're feeling. I, I'm just going to read this um, this out from Pierce on um, uh, on Twitter. So Pierce has just said regarding McCurdy, a huge player for us, and he brings massive excitement. But in my opinion, he's let the team down. He's also brushed it off with a joke on Instagram, which I think isn't right. People seem to let him off way too easily, in my opinion, and it's kind of. It's kind of what I'm saying, really, Pierce, in that 
I kind of want Harry to acknowledge the fact that actually, you know, that day he would have been better off just like letting the fans do the letting the fans do that job. You know, like yeah, I I I I've got to be honest from from my perspective. I mean, I mentioned before, like two hundred and forty mile round trip. I don't mean to keep on banging that drum, but imagine how I felt having driven all that way. And, you know, the first half almost felt like it just about started, like just about started getting going. And then a red car comes out. I mean, no matter where, how far you've got to travel, there is nothing worse, is there, in a game, would you not agree, Joe, than an early red card? You know, yeah. it, it just kills the game as a spectacle. It completely transforms the kind of fare that you're about to watch. Do, do you think, do you think, Harry, do you think sort of Harry's not only let us down by getting the red and then serving that one-match suspension, do you the extent of what's happened here that's now come out, do you think that's, that's, you know, he's let, he's let, like, he, do you think he's indulged himself is what I'm trying to say, Joe, overindulged himself? Yeah, possibly. The thing is, we don't know what the club have told him. If the club have said to him, you know, don't acknowledge specifics of, you know, what happened. It, it, maybe it had been advised if he could have come out and said, you know, regrettably, I accept the charge or whatever. And I'm sorry, a bit of an apology. Um, just because obviously he, he he is a role model. He's probably the biggest role model at the football club. We've seen him over the last couple of weeks getting involved with with young fans, um, giving his shirt out at the end of the game, inviting them on the pitch, and having a kick around after the matches and stuff. So he, he is genuinely, I think, he is trying his best to improve on his PR from last season. Um, I think he's just he's one of those he's one of those players that he absolutely thrives on just sort of laying down and having his tummy tickled. Like, he, he he loves being told how good he is. And when he's playing well, if fans are clambering to him and feeding him, you know, you know, love and applaud it, he just continues playing that way. It's just the way he's built. Well, I but, think it, there's, it's perverse, isn't it? Because I think, yeah. uh, to a degree, I get your point, but he, he also thrives off of being told how crappy he is by away fans. Um, Does he? You know, I, I don't... I, I, Away at Port Vale, that playoff final when he obviously missed the penalty, there's a picture that Port Vale fans I've been attacked with thousands of times. I honestly can't name the amount of times I've been sent this picture from Port Vale fans of him laughing after the penalty. Mm. It makes him, at the time, he, he looks a bit of a dick, but it's just, I think that's pure nerves. And yeah, I think he, he, he plays up to a character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I, I, listen, I don't think his reaction to that penalty miss was a lack of respect or anything like no, that. I just, I just think it's the way his brain's wired. Um, you know, I, I can't, I, you know, I, do I know Harry personally? No, I've spoken to him a couple of times. Um, you know, very, 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 very short. You know, you know that we did the, um, you know, the Tom Broadbent Lounge end of season awards. I got to spend yeah. the best hour in his company. Um, got some very mercurial answers to some very, very straightforward questions. And um, He's very dry, isn't he? But... Yeah, exactly. Very, very dry. Um you know, actually, he's 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 witty. I think he likes to cause a bit of a stir. Um, he, does. I, he also I, doesn't know. He doesn't appreciate. Obviously, he's come from clubs where he's effectively left because he's fallen out of the fan base or fallen out of the manager or, or teammates. I don't think he actually he understands how much Swindon Town fans love him. Um, mm. There is honestly, there's such an endearment for him. We all know what he's like. We all back him in games. We back him on Twitter or socials or whatever. 
he he genuinely he's, he's in a place where he is appreciated, and I think a bit of accountability on Twitter, or a bit of accountability on Instagram, whatever, and also the, the rumors been going. If he goes to a Hibernian that he's you know he's linked to the minute, they've got Lee Johnson and stuff, uh, and and um, his coaching staff at Bristol City who were famously really really harsh and really hard on players' attitudes and the way they sort of conducted themselves. There's no way that's lasting until December. Like, honestly, there's... He needs to stay and just appreciate the love that he has at his football club and perform at the biggest stage that we can possibly perform at. If we get promoted, if he signs on League One, he still loves. Signs on again, that's three or four years at the football club. He's, he's a legend rather than a cult hero. So... He's honestly, he's got a yeah. platform that he can use here to to really cement himself just in club folklore. Yeah. Well, okay, so look, here's a couple of questions for you. I mean, certainly to- Toby, Toby's jumped back on. Toby said, do you think under any other manager than the one that knows him inside out, like Scott, because of last year, uh, would give him the same leeway with doing the stuff like this? And it's a very, no. very point, Toby. And I mean, Martin, I, I, again, to sort of lean on you here where you kind of coach his hats on. He's a um, yeah, he, he's he's a risk, isn't he? Um, not necessarily. I mean, not in terms of his playing ability, but it's almost like we get him. Like as, a, as yeah. a, we get him, and we make allowances for him, and the fan base kind of get him. And yeah, we get we get we've spoken about it tonight. Some of his behaviour we find really really irritating, but we we take the rough with the smooth more often than not with Harry. Um, I, I, if you then transplant that into another into another side. That is maybe anyone other than Charlton Athletic, where you've got Ben Garner, a former manager that actually got a tune out of him. He's, you know, it's a risk, Martin, isn't it? It's a massive risk. And I think we've said about it before that a lot of managers, to be in football in general, especially at a high level with managers, you have to have a bit of an ego about you. And someone like McCurdy will just turn up and kind of just take the piss off the pitch. A lot of people just won't like that because they think it's going to make them look bad. But actually, for someone like Garner and Lindsay, the fact they've taken a chance on this guy who's an absolute rogue, he is just completely himself. He's not the football PR robot machine that you see all the time in the Premier League. Okay, we lost. I'm going to do a big essay apologizing to everyone. I don't know. I just, I kind of, I think it's something that should be credited that they've allowed this guy to just be himself. They've got the best out of him. But it's now just getting to the point where he's done this so many times. This isn't his first ban for something he's done. Because he, he called the referee the C-word on um, on his Instagram post before as well, right? And he got banned for it? I mean, mine. look, the biggest problem that I think Harry's got with aspirations to go further up the leagues, and quite clearly he'll have those aspirations to play yeah. leagues. You know, there's rumours linking him to Luton Town and so on and such like. The, the, the issue that you've got is one of scrutiny, right? Because the further up the leagues you get... The, the more microscopic the scrutiny becomes. And, yeah. and and some of the things that Harry maybe gets away with in League Two, um, he's, he's not going to be getting away with at the top of League One in the Championship, is he? No, I think if he does have those aspirations, which I'm sure he does, there is a bit of growing up to do. Again, I'm always going to be a massive champion, whether it's in football, someone I coach, someone I know, or just in life in general, to always be yourself. And it's, it's so important for me. If you've got the confidence to walk around like he does with going to a ceremony and everyone in suits, he's in a bucket hat and sunglasses. If you've got the confidence to do it, 
do it. Be you. Be comfortable in your own skin. But there is a point where you have to start growing up because everyone's going to make mistakes. We said it earlier on the show as well. People say and do stupid things in the heat of the moment. Oof, whether you're young, middle-aged, older, it's going to happen. But Joe used the word accountability. And that's... I, I looked at the um, Insta post earlier and yeah, there's a bit of a comic value to it. Like, okay, that is funny. But also I do want to see a bit of accountability from him just to see that he is growing up. But yeah. it's like, okay, you know what? I did mess up. I have let myself down. I apologize because I just ruined this, this rest clothes no matter what I think of him. I shouldn't have done it and I'm sorry. And when you do see players come out and take an accountability, I know I said, I don't really like the whole football PR robot machine, but when you see accountability, um, and you're like, you know what? All right, cool. You admitted it. You're, you're human. If you fuck up, like, apologize, admit it. People won't hold it against you. It's part of learning and growing as a human being. And that's just what I want to see come from him. And I think if he does that, then those aspirations he might have of going to a high level have a much better chance of coming to him. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting comparison. Obviously, it's a very interesting Arsenal show on Amazon Prime at the moment. And you see the way that, you know, Aubameyang was conducting himself at that level at Arsenal and and some of his mercurial behaviours that in the end just sort of fractured his relationships with Arsenal and it's an interesting comparison Aubameyang and McCurdy um, because some of the you know so, so the behaviours are very very different um, but some of the um, you know some of the quirky some of the quirkiness about their characters you could see was was causing friction, so it's again sort of very different levels here, and you're talking about you know <laughs> you you you're talking about sort of somebody like needing to grow up a little bit. Yeah, um, I I just can't. I don't know. I just don't. Is it realistic that you're ever gonna? You know, I I can't envisage the day where you're gonna see Harry turning up in a club suit. You know, having, yeah, I wouldn't want him to. I still want him to be himself, but it's just yeah, yeah. when he has a moment of stupidity, just have that accountability to be like, "All right, yeah, look, I took it too far. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done it." Like, just just something as simple as that. Still be you. I'm always going to champion that. Turn up. Don't turn up in a club suit. Turn up in your Crocs and your or your slippers, whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's that's no problem for me. But just have that humanity about you and be a bit more humble, like. You're gonna make mistakes. We all are. There's eight billion people in this world. We all make mistakes, but just just own it. He just needs to find a middle ground, doesn't he? Like, yeah. You look at someone like a as Latan Ibrahimovic. He sort of jumped from club to club. Obviously, he's played at a very high level. Some play, some managers just haven't been able to sort of to handle him. Look at Pep. He said that Pep Guardiola is one of the worst managers he's ever worked under. Had a shocking season. Really didn't enjoy it because he's a disciplinarian. Whereas you go to someone like Jose Mourinho, he said in one of his autobiographies, uh, Zlatan, that he'd run through walls for him because he'd let him be himself. But he also knew that when it comes to, to specific moments in in tough times, he'd have to knuckle down and be professional. So that's probably mm. where Harry needs to find himself. Um I'm not I'm not liking Harry McCurdy to Zlatan Ibrahimovic in terms of skill, <laughs> but... but no, but listen, listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a comparison for you, right? I don't think there is a, a a Tottenham fan on the planet of a certain age that wasn't irritated to the absolute nth degree by Paul Gascoigne um, in his pomp, and 
I yeah, to your point about uh, am I comparing Harry McCurdy with Paul Gascoigne? No, uh, I will say, however, relative to Paul Gascoigne in League Two, Harry McCurdy produces moments of magic, and I've seen moments of technical brilliance from Harry McCurdy um, over the course of the last sort of you know twelve eighteen months that have literally left me breathless. Um, first time finishes, you know, composure, you know, the moment, um, the Man City moment, you know, again, you know, in front of a huge crowd, massive pressure. So I've, I've seen truly, truly breathtaking, wonderful moments from Harry McCurdy that, you know, and, and equally I've seen moments of, of absolute idiocy in terms of his behaviour that kind of remind me of Gaza and some of the things that, you know, Gaza's done. That's, the reason I draw that comparison now is I would urge people to maybe go and spend a little bit of time watching the Paul Gascoigne documentary and trying to understand some of the complexities of his character and some of the things that maybe drove his behaviour that, you know, actually infuriated us at the time when I was much, much, much younger um, as both a fan of England and somebody that had a bit of a soft spot for Spurs. Um, But you kind of, at the end of the day, you turn around and say, well, it's Gaza. In the same way, we're turning around with McCurdy now, aren't we? And going, well, you know what, it's H. You know, for for every silly moment like referee suit that's been ruined by protein drink, we've got that wonderful first time finish. You know, sort of getting his knee above the ball, you know, over the ball, you know, at the town end, or we've got the goal like the Man City moment, or you know, we've got the goals against you know um, Warsaw, or you know, I mean, like honestly, where you know, there's so many lovely moments, and you just think, you know, it's just one of them, and it Harry Harry's Harry. Things, Harry, can have a, Harry can have a game where he doesn't score, and I mean the Orion game uh, was the last game I saw live. But the man brings down the ball from a crossfield ball off of Romeo Hutton, like he brings it down and controls it on a back hill. Yeah, like consistently, he did it like three or four times, and I just think you know the level of skill that that takes to do, yep. and the the confidence as well in yourself to just to not even think twice about, you know, what are the risks here? Am I going to, am I going to scuff it? Am I going to take a trampoline touch and get dogs abused from the crowd or, or stop an attack from my team? He just goes for it and he pulls it off time after time. The man's got such ability. He just, he he brings character to the the game. Like, yeah, the the moment he gets the ball, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And I and I don't think anybody out anybody on the pitch knows what's going to happen, but that's the joy of Harry McCurdy. And and Ellis, let's let's just be let's let's just rewind a bit and say, okay, so we picked him up off the back of, you know, a couple of crummy spells at Carlisle and Port Vale, but it wasn't that long ago that Harry was a, a young starlet at Aston Villa, coming up through the ranks with a whole range of very 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 talented young players who are now breaking into or are playing in the Villa first team or have gone on to have sort of half decent careers away from the Villa first team. So, you know, you are talking about a player that got on the radar of one of the most sort of celebrated, um, you know, youth academies in Premier League football, one of the most prolific. So we know that we've got a player who on his day can probably perform at the very, very top of, you know, right up the top end of the Premier League. The, the problem, of course, that's pro- held him back are probably some of the things that we have seen. However, like I said, when football's made allowances for some of these quirks, um, you have seen the likes of, you know, the Gazers of this world 
go on and absolutely, you know, delight crowds. So, well, listen, look, we'll we'll part we'll part the Harry McCurdy segment. Obviously, we it's, it's disappointing um, that Harry's picked up another free game ban. He's ended up serving four four games um, for um, you know the fallout of what's happened at Salford, but it kind of is what it is. We'll move on to Lewis Ward because there's been some rumours. Um, according to the real EFL, um, Wrexham, Tranmere, Cambridge and several other clubs have joined the race for Lewis Ward. So how long, uh, gentlemen, do we think that we can keep um, keep older Lewis Ward at the county ground if clubs come calling for him? Because Lewis really... I mean, he did nothing wrong at the back end of last season and certainly pre-season. Um, you know, he, he was given equal amount of games to Sol Brin. He was on the on the receiving ends of defeats as opposed to Sol playing in games where we've got sort of positive results pre-season more often than, than we didn't. But um, Lewis has found himself out of the team. Sol, um, you know, sorry, had a shaky start against Harrogate. Wardy came back in, um, didn't exactly cover himself with glory against Warsaw, has found himself back out the side, and Solbrin's gone on to become a bit of a fan's favourite. So it's a it's a it's a tricky situation. Can we afford to lose a Wardy though? Well, we could I, I think it could put us in a tricky situation if we don't get keepers in because what what would we do if uh God forbid Solbrin gets recalled by Middlesbrough? We'd be Very in good a, point. We'd be in a tricky situation then with not having Ward and not having Bryn. Um, they recorded him last year as well, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So we could be in a very tricky situation if that does happen. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a tricky, it is very tricky indeed. I mean, you've got, there's been a lot of speculation on social media. We don't know whether it's fact. The club haven't come out and confirmed either way, but all this chat about, well, you know, the lone, you know, a lone goalkeeper. You know, he's going to be sort of, you know, in his deal that he's got to be number one, that, you know, he's got to play when he's fit and so on and such like. And that's what's keeping Wardy out of the team. There was a lot of chat about, oh, after, you know, Harrogate, Wardy was absolutely fuming and people drawing their own conclusions and speculating and such like. But I think in reality, uh, we, we don't know whether any of that's true. But the fact is, we've got very, very capable goalkeeper that is our asset. It is a precarious situation, isn't it? That we, you know, that we, that if I mean, it, what I'm, I guess, what I'm trying to say, Joe, it would, it would need to be a princely sum, would it not, for for us to contemplate losing Lewis Ward? Um, it's not like we have to sell him. I mean, it would. It, what sort of sum of cash do you think you'd be willing to see us sort of receive in order to part company with a very, very, very capable goalkeeper who played a huge part in a solid run that we put together last year? It's oh, a tough question. I mean, what what's the value of a goalkeeper in League Two? Obviously, he's a very very good League Two goalkeeper. Um, I can't even think how much Manuel Neuer would be worth in, in a, a Premier League or a you know a Real Madrid Barcelona. If I wanted to buy Manuel Neuer, it's probably about forty million for Neuer. Like there's there's goalkeepers that aren't going for as much as a a striker or a winger. You know, you look at Anthony from Ajax going to Man United for for a hundred million euros. Yeah, if he was a, a left back, there's no way anyone's paying a hundred million for a left back. So you see, I don't know, Tyree Simpson from League One to Championship, five hundred k for a striker. <sighs> Not that I'd want to sell him because you you just you don't want to sell Lewis Ward. He's a very good goalkeeper. He's a friend of the show. 
we've met him personally, and he's a really nice guy. Um, I think anything I mean, over two hundred k, you've got to take. But yeah, I, I think you're right. To be honest, I was going to say to you, for me, it's going to be around the hundred and fifty, two hundred k mark. Lewis is a absolute tower at the back, yeah. and I think in terms of his age. He's only really going to sort of, you know, start coming into his prime over the next few years. So mm-hmm. we're kind of getting, we're getting prime Lewis Ward. Um, like I say, he's he's our asset. I I do genuinely believe that if there were any issues with Soul's form, that they wouldn't just persevere with Soul, for, irrespective of any any deal. I think they would sooner see Soul end up sort of making his way back to Middlesbrough, and and Wardy get that opportunity on 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 form alone. But I genuinely believe that Matt Bowdery and Dion Conroy's much improved form and fitness towards the end of last year. A lot of that was down to Lewis Ward coming in and relieving a lot of pressure um, by being far more willing than Jojo Woolacott to come off his line, claim high balls, command his eighteen yard box, not just his six yard box. So. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it'd take a, a substantial six-figure sum. And in our league, I think substantial is sort of like 150, 200 grand. The thing up. is, as well, it leaves us with a hole then, doesn't it, as well? We'd have to yeah. replace him. Yeah. So it's just a headache. I mean the the other the other young lad that you know um, we've we've got a, you know like a they call him an academy scholar but from what I understand the young lad whose name escapes me um, has been a bit overseas with his family for a few years um, Jack something or other apologies Jack if you're listening or your family are listening I can't remember what your name is but um, he's you know whether he's at that age yet to be able to sort of step into the breach I don't know there'll be goalkeepers that are available on freeze and I know you know Mildy's got a fantastic network of of goalkeepers um, and I'm sure that he'd be able to fill the breach but at the end of the day we you know we, we all know what Wardy's about and um, I wouldn't want to be seeing Wardy disappear but um, alright well look we'll part the Wardy and we'll, we'll just bring um, so the final um, final um, uh, I'm going to try and bring Jason on to have a chat about it but um, hello Jason good evening to you buddy how are you hello Hannes how are you yeah, very well, thanks, buddy. I was going to get you to say a little bit about the big Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge Kickabout Foundation Park on the 4th. So the stage is yours, buddy. Fill your boots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've opened my DM so everyone can can start DMing me. I've had a few th- uh, through already, so it's looking good. Um, so, yeah, 4th of September, Sunday the 4th. So it's the day after the uh, – I'm trying to think which game it is now. No, I'm going Gillingham. Um, so, Gillingham, yeah, yeah. so it's the day after the Gillingham game, 4th of September, down at Foundation Park, 4 till 5, uh, 9v9. So hoping for for probably 11 players each hit, each side so you can have a couple of subs because some of us aren't as fit as we used to be. You speak for yourself, guys. <laughs> I am. My body's a temple. <laughs> Are we having Tom Broadbent Lounge sponsored sun cream available, by the way? No, Johnny Williams has used it all, really used it all on his head. <laughs> oh. Not good. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. But look, no, listen, I mean, it doesn't require any selling, does it? You know, football in the shadow of the county ground of Foundation Park. We've been talking to uh, the women's football club, Swindon Town Women's Football Club tonight. Uh, about the fact that, you know, the importance of the fact that the women have, have, have relocated a lot of their fixtures this season to Foundation Park. Um, 
it's a really, really lovely opportunity to get, you know, to play football in literally the shadow of the county ground. Um, and, and also for a few people that listen to our show, that like to enjoy our show, um, like to socialise with others on, on Twitter, um, you know, to come and come and put some um, faces to names. Increasingly, one of the lovely things about this show is that, um, the, the, you know, the, as <laughs> with every passing match day, um, more and more of you guys come over to the table in the Legends Lounge and, and you know, shake our hands and introduce yourself and, and put a face and a voice to your Twitter bios. Um, and there's no better way to do that than um, at Foundation Park, let Jason basically kick you into uh, Rose Ed by way of, <laughs> by way of introduction. Um, who's, t- who's told you how you used to play? Like you're just a, you're, yeah, you're a filthy beast. We all know about you, Jason. You're a Darren, <laughs> you're a Darren Bullock character. There's a reason you're need direct. So, more, um, like, more like a razor relic now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, as long as you don't, as long as you don't bleed the Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge dry, Jason. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, because the contract was given to you by other people, it was nothing to do with you. But that's a different matter altogether. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, brilliant, brilliant opportunity. And Jason, we we, we thank you for um, uh, stepping into the breach um, whilst um, Mr. Collett is uh, distracted by work matters. Um, it's brilliant to have the um, have the kickabouts up and running. There are going to be, there is going to be. Um, another football tournament there is going to continue to be barbecues etc and there's a whole host of conversations going on between um ourselves and our various commercial partners and the club in terms of some other sexy and exciting things that we're doing for fans as the season rolls on so keep them peeled and when we're in a position to share with you we surely will can i just um, say can i just say one thing hannah's before before i come off um so for the women's women's game um Certainly for the for the Swindon women's team, um, anyone that I mean, last season obviously they had the game that was cancelled at the county ground. Um, I I am a uh, official supporters club member, or I was back then. I haven't renewed this year yet. But even if I even if I was, I still wouldn't go in free. I would still pay so that those those women can improve their facilities. Well, that's that's very admirable of you, Jason. I think you'll find that um, most people tend to be like that. Um, I know lots of people are very club-minded when it comes to the use of their season tickets, when it comes to um, you know claiming discounts or choosing not to claim discounts, for example, with a season ticket in the club shop. People just say, "Well, I just prefer to just buy the buy the clubber," and knowing that that money goes into the club, and it's brilliant that you take the same approach. Um, with um, you know, potentially with Swindon Town women moving forward. So, yeah, listen, I would. Um, I mean, look, it's clearly. I wouldn't. I don't want to call it embryonic because they're clearly much further down the line in an embryonic stage with Swindon Town Women's Football Club. But they're at a yeah. stage of their development where clearly they just need they need our backing in so many ways. They need bums on seats. They need money in the till. Uh, they need our voices on the uh, on the touchline. So. I mean, any support we can give them, um, you know, is, is going to be welcome, right? And at the end of the day, they're our club. So why wouldn't we? Exactly. But listen, I mean, I think with, um, you know, with, with, with half, an, half an eye on the clock, uh, just coming up at 10 to 12, it's been a mammoth show. Plenty to talk about, admittedly. So um, wish everybody um, all the best of British that are heading up to Stockport um, on Saturday. Um, hoping that you all uh, bring the points home. Um, keep the keep the keep the debates flowing on Twitter, guys. Like even though the show's not on air, um, you know nothing we love more than sort of you know than um, than 
than uh, tackling the the big talking points of the day. Try and keep it. Try and keep it clean though, and and, and try and keep it. Try and be mindful of your tone, um, and you know, and try and keep the abuse to a minimum because I think um, it's it's been a it's been a fraught start to the season, and like any anything, as the results have improved. Um, you know, some of the interactions have been a little bit more, uh, have been a little bit easier to swallow. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously you can say what you like on social media, but um, just try and remember that we're all Swindon Town at the end of the day. Uh, we all follow the same club. So uh, anyway, listen, the Saturn Broadband House guys, we are a independent Swindon Town Twitter space. So uh, the views uh, discussed on this show do not re- represent the views of Swindon Town Football Club or Saturn Broadbent himself. And less like tonight, so Tom Broadbent's come on and shared his views directly, um, in which case, well, do the math. Um, it's been a real treat having you on, guys. I hope you've enjoyed as much of the show. Hope you, uh, if you if you've missed some of it, the show is going to be available um, on Twitter for the next thirty days. Um, make the most of it. Um, look forward to catching up with you guys either on Twitter um, or this time next week when we'll be back with another super guest, no doubt, and um, hopefully talking about another number, a new number nine um, and whatever else is going on in the wonderful roller coaster that is Swindon Town Football Club. But for now, take good care of yourselves.